Hello and welcome to episode 194 of the Random Nintendo Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Angel. And you know, historically, right about now would be when we would get a new Nintendo Direct, kind of outlining the next year or the next couple months ahead, four or six months maybe. And normally, we'd then spend this episode, the second episode of the new year, kind of dissecting all that news in games. But this time... Is that really how things always shake that, Like the last couple years. Yeah, huh. like the last two or three years. It's been exactly like that. But this time, that did not happen. That's good. Well, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's still a lot of news. Um, there, and there could be a direct any day now. And we have news without it. But instead of everything being presented in like a nice, tight, hyped-up package, it felt kind of like very low-key and scattershot. Like we kind of got a fresh look at Yoshi's Crafted World and a date from Nintendo's Twitter. And then, like, we got the reveal of January's uh, online Switch Online NES games from a press release. And then we got some new games from Capcom and Game Freak, like Pokemon's Game Freak, as boring blog posts. So I don't know what happened there. Like, it, it's Nintendo, if Nintendo doesn't want to bundle that stuff together, that's fine. That's their prerogative. But, what, but if they won't, we will. So, long way of saying welcome to episode 194, a Nintendo indirect, if you will, we have timestamps for every individual topic on the blog post for this episode. We're going beyond just the news with a discussion of um, potential reasons why we're doing a Nintendo Indirect instead of Nintendo doing a Nintendo Direct, um, along with some sales numbers and impressions of what we've been playing lately, which for me is Horizon Chase Turbo, and for you is a revisit of Puyo Puyo Tetris, right? Gotta love them sales numbers. Yeah, so we got a lot in store is what I'm saying, but um, <laughs> I kind of feel like everything about this episode was done by nintendo despite you angel i'm just gonna be honest i think they hate you and what because last episode because i've forsaken them no last maybe did you sort of because last episode you know you're talking about we had our gaming resolutions and yours was to kind of step back and just let the games wash over you right and then you weren't really gonna be spoiled by keeping up with any with all the little itty bits of news right and but you, whatever you said, needs to be spoiled for the sake of the podcast right but and you said the only thing you would do is catch up with nintendo directs like a day or two before the podcast I'm right so far, right? Yes. So what does Nintendo immediately respond with? By taking every piece of what could have been in a Nintendo Direct and throwing it across the internet haphazardly in bite-sized nuggets over a kind of long period of time. Most was on the same day. Some wasn't. Like, clearly, this is an attack by Reggie and company to specifically stop your resolution from happening. How does it stop it? It makes it easier for me not to keep up with it. Well, it's more like they're just frustrated at you. But I don't know why. Because now that I think about it, 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 it actually helps you. Yeah, it helps me because it's less on my Twitter feed because... There are a few people on my Twitter feed that I would never not unfollow. That I would never unfollow. Like but, me, but I they're, assume. Um, you're on the edge. Sweet. But for the most part, like these people, including myself, when Nintendo Direct goes live, we usually like to tweet out like any big news that happens yep. right at the moment when it happens, and then maybe like a quick summary and maybe like uh, some standouts. But because there wasn't any big news, everything was kind of like okay, that's good to know. Like I didn't hear anything about this until. Like, oh, like see, because my feed still, well, I follow Nintendo stuff still, but mine still had, like, all the bits and pieces. So I was thinking when I was saying, like, it's bad for you is Nintendo's making it hard because you're getting instead just one thing you can mute. You're getting, like, 20 different no, yeah, things. But I, but I, I guess you I, I silenced vented The it. only venues I didn't silence are literally actual people. Like me. Yeah, and those people, yeah, don't really, they're not Andre and they're not Rami Cowboy, so. That's true. Yeah, that's true. The only time you ever tweet anything Nintendo related, it's even, even then it's kind of, it's never direct. It's Actually, always... I literally linked to both press releases for what we're about to talk about in one tweet. But the joke was, uh, I said something like, "Oh, Nintendo's new Nintendo Direct presentation style is press releases or something like that." See, there you go. Like, you didn't even see it. 
Exactly, yeah. because I could read your tweet and still know nothing. True. You just can't look at the little thumbnail that comes with the link. Yeah, I would just have to, I would have to click on the thumbnail to learn anything, and I'm That's not going to do that. Well, in that case, let me inform. Let me teach you what there was and the listeners, because one of the headline grabbers was that we finally know that Yoshi's Crafted World is coming out for real on March 29th. Awesome. So only about a full 365 days after the game's very first release window. Which, you know, in and of itself, a release day isn't huge news. It's nice confirmation. Well, it's pretty huge. I mean, it's definitely... It's sooner than As I of now, the only... The, I guess the only high-profile Nintendo game that I'm very excited about. Only because Woolly World was really good. So did you see the trailer that came with this news? Or did you avoid that intentionally? I avoided that intentionally. That might, you know, that might actually be a good idea because the trailer... It, they call it the story trailer and it's literally the opening scene. Yeah, this is kind of the thing, like, pretty much that exactly. I... I ended up kind of not really paying too much attention, paying half attention to um, World of Light opening trailer when it was when I was playing it myself. Yeah, because I had already seen it. Yeah, during the direct, and it's kind of long. And yeah. so you've already seen it, even though there's no music this time. It's still kind of like, if anything, it feels like drawn out more. It does. Yeah. So I'm just trying to not see the trailer. Like, I mean, I'll, I'll look stuff up that's relevant or yeah. any huge gameplay changes, but. I, I do for think, the most part. I think I'll rather stick just happily surprised. To be to be honest, I'm not going to spoil the trailer too much for you, but I do think the trailer plus the release window is actually rather telling. Like Nintendo didn't say much about Yoshi, but that I feel like what they showed job? what that it's a rush job. No, not really. Like it, I think it. What it told me, it's a passion project, is that this it does seem like a passion project in terms of the amount of detail. Like the crafted it's, world looks um, so cool. One guy's magnum opus. I maybe I don't know who that guy is, and his name isn't flashed across the screen, so <laughs> I don't know. Well, I mean, maybe it's the dude who decided, you know, Yoshi should look like what you skin to make a tennis ball, but like his his fur skin, whatever, is literally like tennis ball material. Yeah, now. It's like the Smash but, Brothers one. Well, the Smash Brothers one's like this. What is it with Yoshi games? Game I don't know. This one came out first, so. right? Why is that always with Yoshi games? Because Woolly World, they had the Woolly World stage in Wii U. Before Woolly World yeah. came out, is it because Yoshi games and always they get took delayed? It out. It's not like that stage was offensive in any way. It, it's yeah. How can anything Yoshi be offensive? He's the most innocent, cre- except his tax fraud. That the meme, the meme of the internet. Where did that come about? Is there I someone named know. Yoshi that had tax fraud? No, someone just he... made a wise. I don't even know to be honest. It's something like someone's like Yoshi's innocent, except and someone's just like, nah, he wants to commit tax fraud, like on a Tumblr post, and then it just they ran with it. And now it's a meme all over the place. But no, well, I was going to say, what, what I thought the trailer and the release combined were kind of interestingly saying is this is the Yoshi equivalent of Kirby Star Allies. And and depending on your perspective, oof. that could be good or bad. Like, why do you be... say ooh? Um, because I didn't buy that game. Oh, fair. Okay. Now, for me... <laughs> Although, I will say that if Kirby Star Allies had all the content from the very beginning that they announced as DLC, yeah. I probably would have ended up getting it because a lot of that content looks very fun and creative. Like those different boss rush modes, mm-hmm. different characters. Like it just seems really flesh- fleshed out and kind of like a nostalgia trip. But yeah, that wasn't that... it from the beginning. From the beginning, it just kind of looked like a prettier version of Return to Dreamland. Well, yeah. How do you how do you feel? That's actually a good point because I, my suspicion is Yoshi's going to go the same. I'll get back to Yoshi in a sec, but I'm curious because you brought it up. So we used to always, back in the Splatoon days, I don't know if you remember, we'd be like, oh, this is an interesting like test run of releasing games before they're really finished and then kind of retroactively throwing things in there. You know, like we saw, as you mentioned, with Star Allies, it took them about a year to flush it out. Yeah. Are we at the point where it's now an, an annoying to have it like that? Or I guess because at first, game, I mean, like, it makes sense for some games. Like for ARMS and Splatoon, I feel like... You're like, all right, this is like a multiplayer game. It's kind of something that just grows with time and you mm-hmm. kind of 
learn the mechanics as you go and then they slowly introduce new ones so that you could you know master one and then pick up another one the single player adventure ones i don't know those feel a little weird to keep adding stuff on over time but yeah i feel i feel like it doesn't I mean, conceptually, I see why it's weird, but it doesn't really bother me. I mean, I know I mean, for me, it does, like... I mean, it doesn't bother me, but it just... I don't yeah. know. I mean, no, the, I, the, yeah. the, the core gameplay of Kirby games, I don't know. I, I think maybe the fact is I just don't really find it as fun anymore, just the core gameplay. Maybe I've played so many Kirby games, and maybe by 100%ing all the ones I've played, I just... You just didn't feel need to do it again. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm, just, I'm, just kind of, I'm just kind of done with the way Kirby games play. Yeah, but Yoshi games I still have a tremendous amount of fun with. So even if that's they fair. do this one a la carte, that's fine. But yeah, the the not games being finished thing because I think Yoshi's gonna go that route. And like, I mean, I don't beat my games anyway. So like, uh, this year I'm gonna beat one. Maybe it'll be Yoshi. I don't know. That's that's the deal from uh, last it's, episode. It's gonna be like a 100 hour long RPG kind of deal. Uh, we never specify. No, but seriously, like for something like this. Like, I'd, I'd rather have a little less content up front in Kirby and Yoshi, whatever, if it means the core experience is more polished later, you know? Like, I mean, I'll, I'll, I will say, it. actually, now that I think about it, it is kind of, it makes having physical games that much more weird. That It's that it's way weirder now. If Nintendo's making all their games be these kind of drawn-out things, it makes it weird. Because yeah. now, every, even if I do get the cartridge, I still have, like, a quarter of the fifth of the game, like, on my switch as a download like i don't have the whole game on the cartridge i have like a piece of it somewhere else i mean 20 years from now because i mean that's very realistic 20 years from now 20 years ago people were saying 20 years from now like i could still play my super nintendo we still can no issues the whole game is still there yep but let's say 20 years from now they've long since like yeah closed down the servers for the dlc or any of that content if you buy a brand new cartridge of yoshi's woolly world that you found in a ancient GameStop that have been discontinued a long ago crafted Crafted World. Cause Yoshi's Wo- Crafted yeah, World. Yeah, because Wooly is a full disc. From, yeah. I don't know, like a old game stuff that's about to go out of business. Um, yeah, you're just going to have the core game and none of the new like 20 yeah, it's, plus it's levels weird. and extra world that literally added an entire second campaign. Yeah, it's weird. Like, it goes back to the whole thing we were saying about cloud gaming maybe not being so great because, like, you don't own your games literally anymore. Games? Even in this case, you own your game, but you don't own I, the full I firmly, game. I firmly believe... Maybe 20 years from now, that seems kind of realistic, that by then we will literally have, there's going to be, like, gaming historian majors, like, kind of like how there's, like, just historians about literature. Like and film ar- historians. And archivists. Like, yeah. gaming, game archiving is going to be a really, really big deal. It's already kind of a thing. Yeah, I mean, like, people already, like, go out of their way just to find every single piece of gaming media. And yeah. The day and age we live in just makes that really hard. Or it's, I mean, we already know it's just going to be really hard. Yeah, of course. Like, I mean... They're struggling enough as it is to archive every single piece of, like, Flash game that appeared in the early 90s for, like, every random TV show right. that doesn't work anymore because, yeah, you know, websites just, just Don't support working. Flash. Yeah. yeah, Flash is a dead platform. Yeah, but, like, I mean, I'm not going to help because I think... Did you say it was a Flash in, in the pan? In, in, it lies longer than in the pan. <laughs> no, I, know, yeah. I mean, yes, in the in the history of human, <laughs> of human civilization, it was a Flash in the pan. In history of the internet, it was definitely more than that. But, but A plus pun. Um, no, but what I was going to say is, like, to your historian point, like, I'm not helping the case here. Because, you know, if Nintendo did what they did in Japan, I would jump on that. Nintendo in Japan, yeah. if you do not talk about, if you buy... or That's you what just... I wanted to do for Smash Brothers, just buy the physical yeah, case. Yeah, you know what I'm do... talking about. Yeah, when, yeah. I was, when I was in Japan, like, I saw that, I'm like, oh, why can't the U.S. do that? Yeah, they sell in Japan physical case. So, like, Yoshi, they've already confirmed, you can get Yoshi's Craft Roll, and this is true as well for uh, Travis Strikes Again, No More Heroes. You can buy the box, and then in the box is a download code, and then you get your pretty shelf display and your game accessible all the time. That's what I want. 
Like if Nintendo's good, because then it's like fine, do your weird DLC things. It stuff it sucks for history you think purposes. Too weird for America, I think Nintendo considers it a waste of plastic for America. Because I think the quantity of because game sales in Japan are smaller than game sales here. Because game sales in Japan are there's fewer people in Japan. Why can't so they have to produce a lot more plastic? Least, like sell it through or sell like empty cases with the cover on like Nintendo.store.com because that's the weird thing. Is so so that's the, kind of where they sold that. Kind yeah, because right? the the Yoshi. Crafted World and the um, Travis Strikes Again thing I was just describing are specifically through the Japanese My Nintendo storefront. Mm. I don't know why they don't do that here. Right, you're right. Because they do sell replacement cases. You could get an empty case and print out your own sleeve, mm. but that just seems like so much effort. Um, I do work at a school district. I think we have access to some high very, quality, very nice printers. Oh, well then I guess you could. If you do that, hook me up. Yeah, well, yeah. we'll just have to... Well then, in that case, you Dude, we're gonna we're gonna be well, like a chop shop well, for well, like then, game boxes. Well then, then I would definitely leave it up to you to find me a nice high, high quality image. That's the problem. Is I don't even know where I find good ones because like people have to scan them in. So then already they take a quality hit. They're scanning. I can scan them because well we have a scanner, but you need to have the game. Oh, <laughs> That's the problem. damn it! You're right. <laughs> you can't just. Be, I mean, I guess you could go to GameStop, buy it, and then return it because you're not interested or something. I got it as a gift. They to had myself, it <laughs> to my JPEG. <laughs> I don't know, but. No, that's an easy one. I got it as a gift. They already had it. I had to return it. Why is it yeah. open? Uh, I got excited for them. Yeah, I, I wanted to check it out, and then I changed my mind. But yeah, I mean, back to regards of that crazy scheme of ours, which is going to make us so much money. Um, back to Crafted World. Because I was saying it's kind of like Star Allies, and I want to be fair. Nintendo has not said this. Nintendo has not said they're going to do DLC for the next year. They have not said the game is unfinished. They have not said any of that. But the parallels that I saw with Yoshi and Kirby are certainly there. Like, I don't mind if they go back to basics with uh, Yoshi. Like, what they did with Kirby, like, I like, I know you didn't get it, but I like Dream Allies. I mean, the the one new mechanic they add was I'm not denying the quality of the game. The game looks really, really, really to, polished yeah, and, and, and fun. And, yeah, because that's the thing. is like, Dream Allies, it went back to basics with gameplay. They added one little thing, which is the ally system. And then they just did a good job of sticking to, to that basic thing while making it look really pretty in HD. Like, it was, you know, it was simple. And I think, like, Yoshi's kind of doing the same thing. I mean, if you look at the game structure, it does kind of follow the same basic formula as other Yoshis. This is stuff that I was talking about before. You've got the classic Yoshi gameplay. You're finding hidden objects around a level, but it's in its purest form in this one. There's no vehicle transformations. There's no dual screen implementation. There's no manipulating levels by unraveling things. Like, I enjoyed all those mechanics, don't get me wrong, but they're just gameplay additions on top of, like, core Yoshi, if you will. And instead, what Crafted World's doing is what Star Allies did, which is it's adding a single new mechanic that seemingly exists solely to extend replayability of levels. So in Star Allies, that was the ally system, right? You could try different combinations of characters. You could ultimately play as any character once you beat the game, not just Kirby. And all of those things gave you different ways and reasons to revisit the same level multiple times. With Yoshi... I would argue the idea is presented through the whole world-flipping mechanic. Like, now instead of just having one way of travel to find secrets, you can now turn the world in reverse and go backwards and find a whole bunch of other secrets and stuff to do and collect that way. So, to that end, like, there's already little tweaks I noticed in the um, Yoshi screenshots and footage that are out there, including there are now six instead of five flowers to find on every stage. So it's kind of like, oh, well, if we have double the stage real estate, essentially, we can sort of start keeping the exact same formula but ramping up little bits to make it more of what you're used to which is kind of what Kirby did so the downside of all this is because 
it seems like they're just extending replayability that way, it falls into the same trap Star Allies does, potentially, which is, at first, it might be weak content-wise. It kind of bring it back full circle to the whole, are they going to do DLC? Like, I don't know for sure, but I'm concerned because in the trailer, so the trailer shows these Yoshis hanging out around a special, they call it the Sun Dream Stone, and then Kamek and Bowser Jr., sorry for the spoilers, try to steal it. It causes la, la, the, la, la, it causes la, la, these, five, no, it's really not a story. It causes five gems to scatter to five worlds, and you have to go to those five worlds and get the gems. I mean, literally, it's the plot of Yoshi's story, but instead of a happy tree, it's a Sun Dream Stone. Yeah, like, but the happy tree didn't get split up. It was just taken straight up did, to... But all its fruit did, and you had to collect all the fruit back. So now it's just five big stones and then little things within each, right? Like, it's kind of the same plot. Um, which, by the way, like, I don't know why you did the la-la-la. Because, like, if you're playing Yoshi games for the story, you're doing it yeah, wrong. It's I'm not about the, the story. Pl- I'm, I'm playing it's for really, everything. It's really not about the story. Yeah. But anyway, the, the fact that there are five gems suggests there are five worlds. Like, we see the gems go to five different places. And here's my concern is Yoshi games tend to have more worlds than that. I looked it up. And everything from Woolly World to Yoshi's Island had six worlds. And then even like Yoshi Topsy Turvy back on Game Boy Advance. I don't know if you remember that. That's the Gyro Control spinoff. Yep. That didn't have worlds. It had chapters, but it had eight of those. So now it's... How many levels in each chapter, though? That does make a difference. I'm not entirely sure what? for Topsy Turvy, but I, I think Yoshi's Island had, uh, I think it was eight. It was, yeah, six levels and two bosses. And from what it looks like, from what's in the trailer of the story, there's these little, like, you know, markers of levels. It looks like it's like three or four per... Or, sorry, let me rephrase. There are little islands that make up a world. We only see one world. It looks like it's like four or five or three or four islands per world, and then you go on to the next world. So it looks like it could potentially be less. Hmm. Potentially. like we're, I, I guess their logic being, like, you're kind of replaying each level twice. Right, that's what I'm saying. It's like yeah. their whole gameplay hook is the idea yeah. that they're extending... They literally have to make half the content. I mean, they're making the same amount of content in a way because you're flipping the level backwards, yeah. but it's not the same amount of work because it's the same assets reversed. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so my, more my concern... Level, yeah. It's more work per level, but less work overall. So my concern is if that's the case, if we're talking five worlds based on the trailer, and there's usually, like, six to eight, uh, it could fall into the DLC trap, and that's kind of where I got the parallel of of Kirby. Because all it's the like, Kirby well, ones free, or were they all paid? the Kirby one was free? All the Yoshi one, if they do this, will probably be free. And I don't mind at all. Like if they do this whole finish it later approach, it's just that plus the um, kind of going back to basics and then figuring out a way to extend the basic formula. That to me just was like, oh, this is totally the Kirby formula applied to Yoshi, which makes sense because Kirby did super well, sold over two million, I think. So like, why not? Um, and I mean the game looks great don't get me wrong like the few chairs we've seen the screenshots it looks quite promising like I do love how the developers are super all about like it's a crafted world look at this realism also here's a little fuzzy tennis ball Yoshi running around on top of it like it, it's really cool so yeah I think like you that's probably one of the ones I'm more excited for but it's just it's just uh, interesting I guess to see how closely it's mimicking the Star Allies formula at least seems to be Seems, but, to seems to be but we'll see I mean it's out in two months there's a little time to figure it out but speaking of Kirby one other game Nintendo shed some new light on is Kirby's Extra Epic Yarn on 3DS which is now coming out on March 8th so two weeks before Yoshi and um, I feel like these days it's kind of rare for us to talk about any upcoming 3D, uh, 3DS game I was tripped up on I'm not even used to saying 3DS anymore I don't even know what that is I'm like 3 but it's, it's rare that we talk about them but I gotta say like this port actually seems pretty legit. Like, there's real effort going into this, possibly because the original developers at Goodfield are the ones handling the port instead of it being outsourced. 
and that means a lot of stuff. Like the biggest change is two new types of gameplay enhancement. One is what they're calling Ravel abilities, which will let you just have the powers to do stuff like throw yarn balls and pins or wield a sword or use these little buttons as bombs or like attack with a yo-yo, which is a more traditional Kirby thing. Um, they basically figure out a way to like take the Kirby powers and stick them into epic yarn. And you can either get them in game or if you scan any Kirby character amiibo, you can activate the power at any time and and Kirby gets a little hat. He'll get a corresponding hat to the amiibo you scanned. And the hat looks like a little cut out of the plastic. So it literally looks like the little uh, yarn Kirby is wearing the top of the amiibo. Huh. It, it's adorable. Huh. Um, but yeah, that that's something kind of interesting. Like they're sort of migrating in classic Kirby. But uh, well, I think might actually entice more people to maybe double dip, maybe even yourself, I don't know, is uh, this new devilish mode. So it's not just a difficulty change. They're actually adding a new element to every single level of the game. It's going to be these three devils. They'll appear in every stage and just kind of wreak havoc. They'll go as far as attacking Kirby. They'll make him lose health. They'll get in the way of things. And now instead of just exploring, you also have to kind of like manage these extra baddies. Like every time you go explore, you have to sort of, you know, take the risk assessment of uh, having these guys breathing down your neck the whole time. Which is interesting, I feel like. I don't know, like, how well it's going to work, but given that Epic Yarn, one of the criticisms was it was too easy. I mean... That certainly seems like a solution. What do you think? I mean, the game was easy, but I mean, it's... I feel like that game was designed to be as easy as you want it to be. Because if you just want to straight up beat the level, then you can. You could just go the, the straight path. But if you want it to be difficult, you essentially have to beat the game without getting hit. Because you don't want to lose any gems, because gems are what you use to get your rankings. And if you want to get perfect, then that does make it a little more difficult. I would say right. about as average and yeah, and this mode, compared to a difficult Kirby And this mode's set. optional. Like, Devilish mode's literally a separate mode. But it seems like, to your point, that's as easy as you want to make it to be. They're kind of like, well, some people maybe didn't want it that easy. So now they're like, here's a yeah, I, I mean, I guess they wanted the, play. I guess they wanted the default game without you having to make it harder. Yeah to be a lot harder and I don't know but I mean what do you think because you, you really like Epic Yarn right Like I enjoyed it I enjoyed the ride it was, would, it would was this get you a bust out your 3DS if it's like kind of a similar I mean similar ride but slightly different probably yeah because I don't re- I never re- I borrowed um, Kirby's Epic Yarn originally right. I never owned my own copy so this might be the way for me to get my own copy but I probably wouldn't get it until like the holiday season Right, I I honestly don't get why. Like, there's enough meat on the bone here. Even like, without even without devilish mode, like, I might just like double dip because it's a pretty serene game. Like, right. it's just a nice handheld game to take out somewhere that's stress free, and the music is very chill and enjoyable. So, I just don't yeah. get why. Like to your point about taking it somewhere, why did they like some? I get, I get why it's on 3ds. Let me start there. Like, easy money keeps the system afloat, etc., etc., etc. But, like, there's enough meat on the bone here. They could have put this on Switch. They could have just HDified it and brought it to Switch instead. Like, it actually arguably has more different stuff, or at least equally different stuff, as New Super Mario Bros. U Deluxe does over New Super Mario Bros. U. So it's weird that they're like, well, this one goes on 3DS, and that one goes on Switch. Like, they could have I would actually easily... like to see New Super Mario Bros. U on the 3DS. Because then they could they have still... They would it, for sure. That's fine, but then, but then you would get the use of the Super of the super mode with the touchscreen. Oh, true. Like, you literally true. would have to sacrifice any gameplay. That's true. And then put Kirby on the Switch. And, I mean, it's already two-player. Just add in two more other characters, and boom, there you go. Yeah, like, this seems like it's a shoe-in for Switch. And Kirby know, sells well on Switch. It's proven. I they mean, could double, Nintendo they double sometimes double. makes objectively bad decisions. I mean, we're not going to lie here. Like, it's... Yeah, no, they, they do. 
They dropped the ball so hard. I'm waiting to hear on what. It sounds like you have something brewing in your head here. Or you just love it. Oh, you, you yeah. don't have, they, guys, guys, guys! They dropped the ball so hard on filling your Nintendo grievance here. Like it's it's I, it's true though. They kind of do like this. I mean, I have like a, a swing and a miss almost. I mean, I have a good feeling about this part, but overall, their decision. Well, yeah, because Goodfield, like I was saying, Goodfield themselves are doing it. So oh, yeah, you could tell there's well, passion. Yeah, in that, this. that was the that was yeah. joke. Oh, uh, oh, you have a good feeling, ha! I did not pick up on that. Yeah, I was so entrenched in my factoids but yeah i don't it's know good like, feel an american company no they are japanese i believe interesting so because their japan, name is pretty no offense japan their name is pretty englishy i guess if it was good feeling it'd be better but it's just good feel right yeah i guess it's no different than um good smile yeah that's what it's called right the, the, yeah the you, toy the yeah, guys the, yeah, the them, netheroids the, people yeah bluefin yeah, oh, they have a lot of interesting names bluefin sounds like it could be american yeah yeah. So, yeah, good smile. Good smile and good feel, less so. <laughs> yeah. How Laboratory could be American. Yeah. Brownie yeah. Brown could have been American, a weird American, but American. That's They're right. the guys that did um, the Secret of Mana port for Game Boy Advance and then did Magical Vacation and a couple other RPGs for Nintendo on handhelds. Oh. Yeah, that, 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 that was a deep cut. That was like, if this was an album, that was like the D side is, is Brownie Brown. But Camelot, that's a pretty normal name. It's a very normal name. They do tennis, golf. Mario Tennis and Golf, I mean. Yeah. Are we just running through all the second party people now? Atlas, I guess, is pretty normal. Well, Atlas is, yeah, and that's third party. But it's owned by Sega now, actually. Um, oh. Yeah. Wow. This, this is... What about Axis? Is, are they... They're based not far from us, actually. They're in really? Torrance, California. They're about, huh. like, 15 minutes from my house. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Axis is... And uh, uh, Konami's in El Segundo, which is very close to is where the city I work in. Oh yeah, yeah. which I'm, is I'm also where Square Enix is. I work next door to Square Enix. Um, mm. Now people are gonna stalk me that listen to the podcast. I welcome you with open arms. Stalker. Yeah, because he doesn't work in anything to do with video games or anything fun. That's true. Hey, yeah. it's fun. Mm. I hung out with Robert Downey Jr. briefly for work. Not really. He was there and I was there, and we were about the distance you and I are. But I didn't get to actually talk to him. But he nodded at me. Iron Man nodded at me. That's my work perk. <laughs> But anyway, we were um, also pretty close to Konami Vegas. That's true, day. but that's their uh, that's Pachinko. their no uh, uh, just slot machines. Yeah. and Pachinko in Japan, but they only do Pachinko in America. Yeah, Isn't yeah. it interesting how Pachinko just is not a gambling thing in America, but it is in Japan? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty much all of it is in Japan. Yeah, it's it's and it's loud when you go into. Oh, Did you yeah. go into any of them? No, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like it sounds like you stepped into a hornet's nest. It's so. Yeah. Can't really hear anything. No, uh, it's crazy. It's like you have to literally be like screaming, and then to the other person, it sounds like you're just talking like this. It's wild, yeah. and they're huge, and they look like really fun arcades, except they just take your money away. But yeah. anyway, we got a little sidetracked. Yeah. Um. So we'll be pretty close to retro. That's true. We're yeah. gonna be taking a trip down to Austin. If anything happens when we're in Austin, guys, we'll be sure to tell you here on the podcast. I mean, anything video game related. Like if they show us Metroid Prime Four, which they're not even working on. If they show us Star Fox Grand Prix, do they do you will be the first the way, to know. Um... No. Nintendo yeah, doesn't even do tours. Yeah, but I mean, this is, this is retro. They're owned by Nintendo. <laughs> no, yeah, I don't think they I mean, do tours. I mean, look into it. But we can do it. And then I'll look into it. If they offer free tours, we're with doing little, with little goodie bags, then and yeah. we're totally spilling the beans here on the podcast of everything they're working on: Donkey Kong, Tropical Meltdown, <laughs> Meltdown, Lava Meltdown, Star Fox Grand Prix, Tropical Metroid Melts. Prime Four. That sounds like a, a good sandwich. It does. It does. Yeah, like has pineapple. Yeah, Tropical uh, Meltdown. Yeah. Metroid Prime Four. Remember me, mm-hmm. the guy's now the star, Mr. Visor. I don't know. They're working on all that. We'll tell you all about it next episode, assuming we get in. If we don't get in... It'd be next episode? 
won't it? No, no. it'll be two episodes. Two episodes. We're going in yeah. between, yeah. Never mind. Sorry. But anyway, we should get back on track. We were saying we were talking about three DS and um we we're saying how weird it is that Kirby extra epic yarn is on three DS. And I think part of the reason for that is like honestly or part of the reason I feel like it's weird besides just everything we said is honestly like Yeah, it's funny how like take the single screen game and put it on a dual screen system and then you're gonna take the dual, the dual screen, screen game and put it on a single screen system. Would you like to fill in the blank from earlier when you said Nintendo seriously dropped the ball now that you have the rest of the thought 10 minutes later? <laughs> and that's how Nintendo dropped the ball. There. Full circle. But no, what I was going to say is like the 3DS honestly could sustain itself off re-releases. Like they don't need to keep making new games. I mean... I mean Mario Maker makes sense. That yeah, because... dual screen game. Exactly. Yeah, because Nintendo, for those who don't know, they announced uh, a new batch of Nintendo Selects, which are their budget line. Used to be called Player's Choice, as you may remember back in the day. I like that name better. I like it too. Um, And they announced that Nintendo Select sounds... I mean, it sounds premium. Yeah. It, it sounds like... It has a little ribbon on the package. It's yeah, very premium. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it feels like I'm going to... I don't know. Tiffany's? And like, I mean, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> but and, and you're like... I wouldn't quite go that far. And, and they bring out the game on a platter. And you're like, here's the Selects. And then you get down on one knee and give the game to someone. And that's how you propose them for marriage. Oh, fine. Let me do a more grounded example. It's like you're going to Carl's Jr. Nope. That's and, the wrong way in the other direction. And, 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 and you could get... The the very cheap plan. Oh, actually, no, no. I think you're going to Burger King. No, I, I, sure you could get the chicken McNuggets, but you could get the, the chicken, chicken selects. selects. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that are that, that, that are pricier, like better versions of the chicken nuggets. Yes, except these are the exact same game they were when they were more expensive and not a select. Huh. So what's it's some, like? It's so what's like something a, that was brought back, but they charged you more for it? Nothing. At Burger King. No, like in general. I don't there must know. Be something. Um, I guess the NES Classic Edition. Maybe. Well, in Russia, they just raised the price of Switch games on the eShop, so maybe that. I guess so. But they did that for currency reasons, not not because they're select now. Not because, well, like, I mean, oh, these Russian well, I mean, games when are they back, the highest quality. I mean, when they brought back Pepsi, Pepsi Throwback, it's debatably more expensive now than when it was That's when true. it first came out. Yeah, because of the Which is basically the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, okay. All right. So, yeah, it's All as right, if... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, no, but the thing about this, for those who don't know, is um, then see again. This could have been part of a tiny, like this could be a throwaway comment in Nintendo Direct, like a one-minute segment. But nope, no direct. So regardless, they confirmed that we're getting three new games at twenty bucks a pop on February fourth on 3DS. And by new, I mean old, but now packaged like new. Uh, Star Fox sixty four 3D, Super Mario Maker for 3DS. That's its actual name, Super Mario Maker for Nintendo 3DS. That still is weird to me. Just say 3DS. Anyway, and Zelda Majora's Mask 3D. Um, and the the first thing that popped into my head when reading this news, and actually I feel like you were almost on the same path because you were talking about Mario Maker 2, is, like, I think this rules out any chance of a Switch port. Oh, really? Because, like, if you're getting a renewed push for Mario Maker on 3DS, why in the foreseeable future would you then bring it to Switch? Like, I know they've launched games across Switch and 3DS before, like Captain Toad and Fire Emblem Warriors, I think. But you don't see them giving Hyrule Warriors on 3DS a new marketing push at a cheaper price to then just go like, hey, here's Hyrule Warriors Deluxe now on Switch. Like, it doesn't make sense to undercut yourself that drastically, you know? Yeah. So I'm thinking if there were to be a, a Mario Maker for Switch. It would be a brand new game? Yeah, it's got to be a new version. I don't know if it's a full-fledged sequel or just a Deluxe edition. Like, clearly Nintendo considers Mario Maker an evergreen long-tail 3DS release. Like, this thing's... It's been bundled with 2DSs before. It's now part of Nintendo Selects. It, it's been two years since it's released, and they're still promoting it. In a way, it's like very much what Mario Kart 7 is, 
where Nintendo still advertises on TV. It must be amazing TV for someone year that, after year. that just owns a 3DS and it's like, for whatever reason, like can't get a Switch, can't get a... Yeah, and then they, they, they have a Wii, they have a Wii U. Now it's like they're getting games. all these like great games. I know. It's, it's actually kind of cool. Like they, This is a great like starter system for people. There's so many really good games on 3DS. Like at the time, as we've been living through the life of 3DS, you don't really notice it. But if you look back, it is a very strong lineup. And Nintendo keeps like promoting the same games over and over because there's always new people who can be introduced to them. Like, you know, like what I was saying about Mario Kart 7, like that's still promoted on TV and it's living in harmony with the Mario Kart 8s of the world. So I imagine Mario Maker, they would do something similar. Like, it does kind of raise the question if they were to do a sequel Mario Maker. Because, you know, they can have Mario Maker for 3DS and have that be kind of like base level Mario Maker. And they can, like, upgrade yourself into Mario Maker on Switch down the line. Like, what what would a sequel even do? What would we even have? Like, how do you make Mario Maker better? Because, like, really, the core game is pretty well-rounded. Mm, I mean, besides, I, I can't really think of anything besides adding just more. Yeah, that's no. one. Like new items, new power yeah, ups, new, new templates. You know what would be cool, actually, if they did a world builder. So, like, instead of just making levels, uh, you can make, like, your own little Mario world, like, world would, of four or five be, levels. That, that is the natural continuation. Make yeah. literally your own Mario game instead of just a Mario level. Yeah. So, you could, like, you know, package it. Well, not package it, digitally package it. So, you could have, like, a virtual shelf. And it's yeah. Like, oh, here's Super Mario Brothers Remix, Edge Lord Edition. I don't know. Edge Lord. <laughs> everything, has, <laughs> everything is dark and has sunglasses and trench coats. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> Like that, that was a weird turn. Uh, but yeah, like, and you know, they can offer different ways to that do it. That was the first thing that popped into my head for some reason. <laughs> that, that, that's pretty good. But they, now that I think about it, they can like offer different ways to do overworlds. Like, what well, if you want to do it like a Mario 3 overworld or like a Mario World overworld or what have you? Like, there, there's cool opportunities there. And I feel like if they do that, now that I'm thinking about it, they can introduce new themes for level building. Like, you know, do stuff like deserts and yeah, ice worlds exactly. and things they haven't had so before. Just the fact they haven't had deserts and ice worlds and then you could do jungles. And then, yeah. And they obviously have no problem creating those freshly, you know, just fresh and new for yeah. the older version that didn't have one. They did it. There weren't ghost houses in NES Mario, but they but did But there it. were in Mario Maker, yeah. Yeah, and they just made them black backgrounds. Right, yeah. I mean, it it, it should be relatively straightforward. And, and what's nice is, like, not only can you do all this, but if it was on Switch... That would mean the other, the one, the only thing I thought of going into this, um, co-op. A big staple of Mario games in this day and age is co-op. It's a major part of the franchise now. It's a key part of the franchise now, for the 2D ones at least. So, you know, it syncs up with Switch's whole multiplayer-ready approach and yada yada. Like, it makes sense, and it could be a huge value add, even if they just did a deluxe of the original with co-op and maybe some new power-ups. Like, that's big. I would love if they do a full sequel where you make your own virtual shelf and have your own game and everything. But, like, even if they just did half of that, that could still, like, differentiate enough from the 3DS one, I feel like. Yeah. Which is weird because the 3DS one is actually differentiated from the, the Wii U one and that took out features. Like, you can't share your levels online or anything. So it's, like, this weird... So now we're, like, coming back around, but we need more because just adding online levels is just what the Wii U one did. So you need, like, a one step further. It's, like, a whole weird maze. But, yeah, it's... Uh, it, it could be cool. Rigmarole. Yeah, I, I would I would love for them to do it because like Mario Maker is a really cool project if you think about it. Yeah, like yeah. Nintendo actually turning over the keys like that. So we'll see. But to backpedal to Nintendo um, selects as a whole for a minute, these do seem like, let's be honest, these are pretty much the easiest way to sustain 3DS's life at this point. Like, even though I still swear by my prediction that the 3DS will be done and over soon, Nintendo's president, Shintaru Furukawa, he recently told Kyoto News, which is I guess Kyoto's local newspaper. I'm not really sure. Uh, he did an interview with them, and he was saying that they currently have no plan to discontinue the 3DS. Told you. 
because it can now hold on that doesn't mean it won't happen he's not gonna be like yeah we're just continuing it in six months like why would anyone buy it they're not gonna say it till it's happening for real but he's saying there's no plan for now because it's a cheap introductory system and we've talked about you know endless times on the podcast that every new release it's basically a budget title it's using existing engines it's using existing assets it's in many cases just using existing scenarios and it's remakes i.e extra epic yarn the martin luigi that just came out but what i never really considered until the now is like nintendo selects can serve as an even cheaper way to pay it to um pad the lineup you know like there's a ton of games they're all high quality so they're true. all only 20 bucks well no, that's so true, and then wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. It's like you're a soundboard. It's very handy to make me sound like, oh, he really knows what he's talking about. Wow, so true. Absolutely. I agree. But no, seriously, like, they're, they could just, they're old releases, repackaged, but for folks first picking up a 3DS, like we were saying before, like, if you look back at the lineup now, it's all new stuff for you. It's like, who cares if they're old? They're not old to you, which kind of makes me wonder why on earth is Nintendo only putting their biggest names and sellers in the select lineup. I thought the whole reason they changed the name, because you know we were talking about what the name means, is like when they said player's choice back in the day, that was a description based on sales. You had to hit a sales threshold to be considered player's choice. But selects is just Nintendo games that Nintendo wants to sell again or highlight or draw attention to. I mean, freaking Frozen Olaf's Quest is a select title because it's an easy money generator. So why not use this lineup to give a second win to 3DS games that deserve extra love opposed to just Frozen's video game, which is still weird to me. It's one of two third-party games. Like, one example that immediately came to mind to me is Rhythm Heaven Megamix. Nintendo has tried over and over and over and over to make Rhythm Heaven a hit in the U.S. I don't know if you remember, but they even got Beyonce back in the day to do commercials for the original DS version. I'm sure you've committed that mem- that commercial memory because you're obsessed with everything rhythm. I have. But see, I knew it. Do you know what mini game she was playing in the commercial or mini games? Mm, I'm pretty sure it was um, Built to Scale and Choir Club. Okay, yeah, you have committed this to memory, and actually, you're right because those are the two they always showed off everywhere to promote yeah. the game. But I uh, she was on a couch. She was. Yeah. And she was having the time of her life with her niece playing the game. She's never felt that way before or after. Little did she know. She swears it's true. Hmm? What? What? Were you just saying lyrics? Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. It was the time of my life, and I never felt this way. Before. So that's not Beyonce's song. I know. I don't know Beyonce's <laughs> song. Um, single women. Yeah. Oh. Which you stay as if all you do is play rhythm. Well, it was right? a single player game, and she was a single woman in that. She was dating Jay Z. No, I mean point. like she was like a singular. Woman. Oh yeah. Okay, so it works. Yeah. Sure. But anyway, the thing I was saying about um. Rhythm Heaven is they never... I mean, she does fall under the umbrella of people they want to be playing that game. Single women? Umbrella? Ella? No, that's Rihanna. God damn it. I don't know. I mean, but here's the thing. Um, they're both associated with Jay-Z. I'm not very music happy. I mean, it's a good effort. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a clap. Just one. But no, the uh, that feels like I'm summoning. I'm not... That's weird. Like, <laughs> give me another pun. <laughs> but no, it... Uh, yeah, the thing I was starting to say about Rhythm Heaven is like, they keep trying to make it a success. And Megamix currently is thirty bucks on the eShop. With I feel no like they sent that release. game up to die. Yeah, and that's the it. Thing was literally is, like, it's out. They sent yeah. During it E3, was a shadow drop during E3, E3 when they have all these other games getting announced, where it's gonna get like lost in the shuffle. But to be fair, it nothing else came out that week. It was all 
Yeah, but no yeah. one's gonna really be talking it's about it. It's true. It. It's true. And like, like any it, talk is gonna be about the new releases. No that's one. true. And and that's why I'd argue that if Nintendo were to put out a new physical version of Rhythm Heavy Mega Mix for twenty dollars, that was wrapped in that nice red and gold selects package, a decent number of people, likely parents, who have never heard of the franchise, are gonna give it a chance because it has a the budget price and b the good game guarantee that the selects packaging kind of and brand I mean, kind even of I would get it because I don't wouldn't. Yeah, you have, have a physical that, yeah, version. Yeah. I, I could finally have my collectible. And let and let's say like it doesn't sell huge numbers and it only sells decently. At that point, you're just building a new audience for future rhythm having games, right? Exactly. Like, it's win win Nintendo. Plus it's not like it's unprecedented. It's free money all the time. I mean, Ultimate NES Remix is available as a Nintendo Select, and that's the same type of rapid fire minigame pacing. And that was never a million seller or anything. It did decently, but like they there's precedent here. They could totally do it. Like, there's a lot of 3DS games that arguably deserve some sort of second lease on life, but Rhythm Heaven to me is like the most, the most obvious. I mean, I, right? Like it's. I know you would be happy about it because you love Rhythm Heaven, but I can't. Yeah. There are some that I could be like, oh yeah, that'd be cool to have on there, but Rhythm Heaven is one where it's like this is a marketing opportunity for you, Nintendo. Get kids indoctrinated now, <laughs> like. Yeah, I mean it's a little too late for this one. I mean I just wish they would try again on Elite Beat Agents. I don't know how they would do it because there was none on the 3DS. But yeah. I mean, and it's too much, definitely too much for them to ask to ask for them to like you know, make a new one. Porting, I don't know, maybe might not be that bad if they make it just like. I mean, if they do a low effort, you're, 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 you're like virtual console. Like literally, it's just the straight up 3DS game, and it's either on you original DS. It's the original DS game, original resolution, so it'll be slightly smaller, or you could blow it up, just like if, when you play a DS game on 3DS. That's hard to sell physically to be fair to Nintendo. Yeah. Like, it's hard to convince people, like, yeah, no, we're not just bundling an old game as if it's new. What are you talking about? But, they yeah, could bundle it with another Or they could game. even just do a really simple, actually, I don't know how they, yeah, they could do, like, the best of DS or something. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, because, I, like, I feel like there's opportunities for other games to kind of be bundled together. I mean, I don't, I don't think enough people out there appreciate the Box Boy series, for example. Like, yeah, they could bundle all the virtual the 999 games but yeah like that could work and it has a pretty big following and they can expose it to a larger audience that way yeah but yeah like the like to to go with box boy for a second here that seems like another shoe and actually now that i think about it because like how laboratory they basically made a game where they're like look we can do more than kirby like instead of a square or instead of a circle he's a square and his name's qb and he's great but like they're three games in the series in all seriousness there's box boy none of them there's they're good there's box boy there's box box boy and there's bye bye box boy and they're all individually available on the eShop. and for those who haven't played them like you uh let me explain they basically revolve around the idea of trying to get through side scrolling levels by using your box boy qb um to spawn boxes that help you overcome obstacles and reach the end of the stage basically and it's a fun little puzzle platformer it's very bite-sized it's almost like a mobile game just with physical button controls and each sequel adds a new layer to that core mechanic of using the boxes. So Box Box Boy, which is really fun to say, um, that one you have two separate sets of boxes on screen at once. So it's not just the one spawned right around the QB. You can kind of leave those and go do, deal with other ones and then come back. And then Bye Bye Box Boy introduced all sorts of different hazards that never existed uh, to navigate around and have to think about in different ways because they affect the boxes differently. So all three of those together could be quite a cohesive nice little package and the thing is in other regions they already did that nintendo put out a compilation of all three games on one cartridge like it exists it's in the world so i don't see why nintendo can't bring that here make it 20 bucks and use the select line to indicate hey this game's actually really good you should you should check it out 
you know, it lets them turn Box Boy into more of a true franchise. So they choose to do do that. It's not. It's just easy money. Like, why wouldn't you do that? And the same, you could apply that logic to all sorts of games. Like you said, nine 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 a second ago. But now, like push Pushmo, the Pushmo series, that could work. Um, it's also it sort of a puzzle could. platformer. Has multiple releases on the on the 3ds eShop. It did. Can make for a great compilation. It can. Ah, oh, my soundboard's back. <laughs> my soundboard of, board of affirmations. But no, seriously, like, I mean, there's so many. I feel like more than Pushmo, I feel like Dylan's Rolling Restaurant, or like at least like the trilogy deserves one. Just because yeah, I feel like that cool. game, it feels like more like a lot of effort was put into that game to make it as much of a like a triple A eShop only release. Right. Because I mean, Pushmo, like I like Pushmo, but at the end of the day, like it always felt like a like a fun experiment that that studio made. That it was just like, oh, let's see if we could do this. Yeah. This was fun. This no, that, that's kind of true. It, it but, was a little simple. But Dylan simple. felt like an ambitious game. It started like an ambitious experiment that just kind of kept like getting bigger and bigger, and it also kind of felt like it was just like forgotten as quick as it came. Yeah, and then they're like, maybe we'll save it with furries. Like you can have a your me can have a persona and then that didn't work. Yeah, I feel like that one definitely should get a physical release with all three in it, like the Dylan's Rolling Western Saga or something. But yeah, yeah. that would be a good one, especially because they tried to position him, position him as a bit of a mascot. Yeah. Like he's in Smash. Get it now while Red Dead is still hot. Yeah, seriously, get in on that Western <laughs> craze. Yeah, um, yeah, you love gun toting. Well, guess what? So does this armadillo. But if they do the compilation, they need yeah, to they add. They see him rolling. They hating. Yeah. He patrolling. Okay, you, it, it, we were doing well with the lyrics, and then you made up a lyric. <laughs> but uh, what was I going to say? Um, yeah, if they do that, though, they need to add left-handed support to the original because I never played it because it was not supporting left-handed, which is such a weird oversight because Miyamoto's left-handed, as I said at the time, back in 2013 or 12 when we covered it on the podcast. Like, what are you doing? But, yeah, that would be cool. Um, another one I kind of wish would get more love. This isn't a compilation. This wouldn't help in a marketing sense, but... Rhythm Thief and the Emperor's Treasure from Sega. Like, I know it's third party, but so is Lego City Undercover, and so is Frozen, Olaf's Quest. So, like, if those can be in the select lineup, so can this. But, like, seriously, Rhythm Thief actually is... One, it's a really old game, now that I think about it. I mean, I feel like it's from, like, the first year of 3DS. We talked about it in, like, episode... I don't know, 22, 23, like it's way really, back when. It's a, it's a really good game. I it is. That game. And I remember, I actually remember around that time you did a whole, you wrote an extra for the site, like an article where you compared Rhythm Thief with Theater Rhythm, which came out like the same month. Like, what are the odds of two? Funny how that Rhythm game games? involves about the return of Hitler. Napoleon? No, Hitler. No, it's Napoleon. Rhythm Thief is Napoleon. Yeah, it's Hitler. No, it's Napoleon. It was Napoleon? It was Napoleon. Oh, I guess I just misremembered it as Hitler. I mean, uh, they're both, they both sort of took control of France, so... Oh. Yeah, I, 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 I just know with some sort of, like, evil dictator or something. Yeah, yeah, like, the premise, for those who never played it, is basically, yeah, Napoleon reincarnated or out of his grave or something, and what they want you to do is stop him through the power of music. Um, it's kind of like a mashup of, like, elite beat agents and, like, Phoenix Wright. It's like they saw both and they're like, why not just make them one game? So, like, you have the story driven angle of Phoenix. You're solving the mystery of where your well, dad went. It's more went, like Professor and, Layton. Oh, yeah, I guess Layton's and a better one. Rhythm Heaven. Yeah, that, that's better, Professor Layton. And sometimes Guitar Hero. Yeah. But, and that, yeah, that's what's interesting about it. It's unlike, like, Elite B Agents or one of those, it actually um, has different types of rhythm games you're doing. So, some are button related, some are touchscreen, some are motion control, if I remember correctly. Sort of, yeah. So, it's just kind of like this weird amalgamation of all sorts of different ideas. And you're trying to solve the mystery of your father disappearing and why Napoleon's back and apparently where Hitler's at. <laughs> and, um, 
yeah and it's like this this crazy thing and the whole thing's really charming and well put together um i don't think sega's ever gonna really move forward with it as a franchise it's been like five years without peep and they seem to no, always just it ends in a cliffhanger and they seem to always they always do that thing with rhythm games sega in particular like we have a story-driven rhythm game or we have a rhythm game okay we made it now we're never gonna revisit it and then in 10 years, they're like, hey, what if we remade that rhythm game we made before? And then they do it again. Like Space Channel 5. I guess Space Channel 5 has a sequel. But Samba de Amiga is what I was thinking of when I was saying this. Because I was like, oh, yeah, on Dreamcast, you had the Maracas. And that's like, never again. And then suddenly on Wii, they're like, hey, we did that once. Let's do it again. So maybe in like seven years, we'll get a new All Rhythm right. Thief. That means it got a sequel eventually. Yeah. There's a Samba de Amigo song in Rhythm Thief. So that's pretty yeah, cool. yeah, there's a ton of nods to other Sega stuff in Rhythm mm-hmm. Thief. And um, yeah, I just think it's a good fit for Select Line because. It, demonst- it demonstrates a lot of the 3DS's capabilities and features well. The 3D is really good if you have a system that actually still has 3D on it. Um, especially the, the cutscenes look really nice, the animated ones. And it's just like one of those things that got way buried because it came out in the first year of the 3DS and no one remembers, but could still be a decent seller and worth checking out in the year 2019. So that's my like Hail Mary of like, they're never going to do it, but I want them to do it. I mean, do you have any- are there any games that like, not necessarily for business reasons but just like you kind of wish they got a second lease on life through the selects or mm, something i mean not for me but i feel like super street fighter 4 arcade edition 3d edition whatever it's called um should probably get in terms of select spot i mean right now it feels like fighting games are back on the up they had like a really strong like uphill climb with street fighter 4 when it first came out yeah i remember that and then it seemed like everyone and their mother started making a fighting game and then around the time street fighter 5 came out Seems like a lot of fighting games were just kind of dying. Like they're just they. I don't know. The industry just didn't really seem that great for fighting games anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But now we're back on the rise with like stuff like Mortal Kombat 11 looking really great, Smash Brothers is looking great. Um, everyone's loving Soul Calibur and Tekken, and we're also getting a lot of Street Fighter remakes. We just got Street Fighters, well, every version of two, every version of three, and every version of, well, I guess it's those two. Oh, and Alpha on the Switch. Right. So why not give us Street Fighter Four? Then we have pretty much all of them except on Nintendo systems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good, it's a good point because yeah, Street Fighter it sold really well when it first came out on 3DS because it was like one of the showcase games for the system. Uh, yeah, and it looks really and good. it looks really good in 3D. One and of the then, few that still feels distinctly really good. I mean, at least like, yeah. just the characters. I mean, the backgrounds are very still and don't move for obvious yeah. reasons, but yeah. the characters themselves like and just wow, just wow. Yeah, and then it's like it did really well at launch. I think it sold over a million on 3DS alone, or something crazy like that. Because it was like a, it was a tech showcase of the system, and then it just fell off a cliff because other games came out. But particular it deserves, cover, it was cool. yeah, it was cool. Capcom put a lot of effort into it, so yeah, that's that's a good one. Um, I don't know if there's any any others I can think of off the top of my head, but but you know, even if Nintendo only wanted to make games that can parlay into like future sales or newer releases. It surprises me they haven't done more of that. Like, even if that's all they're trying to do, why are they not doing more of it? Like, why is there no Fire Emblem game in the Selects lineup? Like, Awakening seems like a really good fit because it's a, it's like the right mix of Can't believe that core and friendly enough another for the Final new Fantasy. Huh? Can't believe Awakening was another Final Fantasy. You mean Fire Emblem? Yeah, Awakening. Fire Fire Emblem? Fire Emblem Awakening. You said Final Fantasy like three yeah. times. What? Yeah, I can't believe it's another Final Fantasy. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Wow. That was slow on the uptake there. I need my affirmative soundboard sometimes, wow. I guess. No, um Yes, it is weird how Fire Emblem has gone from being almost cancelled to awakening, kicking it off as and turning it into a Final Fantasy. I completely agree. Yeah. That was me repeating it back to show I understood <laughs> <laughs> for all the listeners to know what that was. But no, it um 
Yeah, like it. I think Awakening, since it was the like inflection point for the series, that would be a good one to put in the selects. Um, or if we're talking like strategy RPGs, Bravely Default would be a great one. Like Octopath Traveler on Switch shows an appetite for this team's games, so why not indoctrinate folks on the 3DS? You know, give them default, give them the default gateway drug, as in the game Bravely Default, not weed. I, I guess you give the kids weed too. It's legal in some states. I don't know. But yeah, give them default, and that could be their gateway drug into these other RPGs, and it's a whole new world that opens up. A whole new world of adventure. A whole new world of adventure and strategy and RPGs and things like that. But anywho. A yeah. whole new way to think. Anyway. What? We're doing a lot of lyrics this episode. Um, but anywho, while we're on the topic of lineups. Well, we're talking about rhythm games and music games. That's true. Uh, while we're on the topic of lineups that underdeliver, unless there's any other 3D, 3DS games you think need to come back, I'm out of ones on my end. I'm also out of them on my end. Well, we did it, guys. We we told you every great 3DS game that ever ever existed. Any other game that you hear is good is not. It's only the ones we've said. But no, uh, while we're talking about topics, or while we're on the topic, talking about the topic of lineups that under-deliver, how about the Switch Online's NES library? Am I right? I feel like I'm doing a stand-up routine. Am I, am I right? What is it with Switch Online? No, but uh, a new month. Means new additions to the subscriptions lineup. So what's coming up in February? Because I obviously so have no idea. They haven't announced it. Oh. They announced January, which is already out, and it's um two whole games. Just two. Just two. So in January we got. So it's like the new thing, releasing two games and then an alternate like special version of the game you already have. That's kind of what it seems like. Um, because the first time it was cool, and now it's just like I don't even know what's very different. Well, about so this here's one. here's what's weird. I can tell you what's different about those games. First of all, for those who don't know, the two whole new games are Zelda Two Adventure Link and Blaster Master. Now those two SP versions they came out with, one is for Ghosts and Goblins, and one is for Ninja Gaiden. And in both cases, they drop you in the layer part of the game right before the big climax. So Ghosts and Goblins, you're fully armed into going into the game 6 level. Ninja Gaiden, you're right before, the like I think, the final boss or something the, like that. What about the space shooting one? Gallagher? Gallagher? I don't know. <laughs> there's, there's a... uh, I think that SP... I don't remember what that one is. That came out in December, I think, didn't it? It wasn't part of the January update. Yeah, but there's an SP version of there that is. one. Yeah, but what I don't it? know what it is. Yeah, like, I mean, I've played it. I only know these because I just read it the it, other day. It's like I've played it, and I feel like you just have more weapons, but other than that, I can't really tell if I'm... I think, you know, like... I think what it is, is it's Nintendo... Also, just making the... It's making it feel cluttered. I wish, like... I wish it was a sub-menu of the other Yeah, game. like, yeah. can't just click on it, and then instead of just starting ready, just be like, do you want to play SP mode? Just like... SP yeah. or something. I do, or just make it a separate save file like they did in Zelda. That would, that would be nice. I do, I do think what's cool about it, to be fair, regardless of how they go about doing it, is like it is a neat way to highlight games or iconic moments in games or what have you for people who maybe will never get to them. It sounds like I'm talking about myself, but no, seriously, like w- Nintendo, the fact that they have the ability because it's like a subscription service to sort of show you different ways to experience these games that you wouldn't get to if you just boom up like you bought it is something kind of unique like not i don't think any other companies do this you know what i mean like it's it's clever i guess is what i'm trying to say it's something you can only do with a subscription service yeah, it is clever and and no matter what we're about to say or what you may think about nintendo's drip free of nes games and no matter how they go about presenting it i still think this whole system is cool and i want them to keep doing it I think they could just implement it better. Yes, for sure. Huh. But but I, I don't think it offsets the bigger issue here, which is that the trip free of new games is not just slow, but somehow unhealthy. slower. It's unhealthy for all of us, and it's somehow slower now than it even was. Because you're like, is this what they do now? Two new games, two SPs? Here's the thing. Up to this point, we've gotten three games every month. 
they actually took a game away. In Japan, no, for NES games, that's the last thing we need. Here, here's the here's like the, we should be getting ten games a month. Here's like the wor- worst part of this. So in Japan, they got Joy Mech Fight. Japan only released ties into Smash Bros Ultimate because you know Joy Mech's all over that. That's cool. But what a missed opportunity to bring it to North America. Like, what are you doing, NOA? Because like an exclusive localization of a previously unreleased NES game would be a great upsell for a subscription service especially if they start to do it more frequently. You know, it'd be like if they did Star Fox 2, or it's how they did Star Fox 2 at the Super Nintendo Classic, or like, perhaps a better example, um, the original Sin and Punishment for N64. They put it on the Wii Shop channel back in the day, localized, and it sold well enough to make a Wii sequel. Granted, this isn't something you pay for, it's just part of your subscription, but like, people want to check out these long-lost games. This will get them to check it out. Like, even something as little as Joy Mech Fight would push back against all the negativity surrounding Switch Online. Like, you're saying, oh, we should have 10 games a month. Right, but you'd probably be a little less annoyed if you are getting a game that never existed in your world prior to that update. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get to play for two minutes and be like, okay. But still, you get to experience something you can't experience before. Yeah, And yeah, it'd probably yeah. be like four minutes, let's be real here. But, uh, no, like Kotaku, they noted in a piece recently that NES releases on switch it doesn't feel like it but they're actually outpacing the speed of which at which they're released on the wii on the virtual console i don't believe that for one second so they did the math in the time that it took wii to garner its first 22 games for nes we already have 31 games because we started with like 15 or 20 now here's yeah here's the thing the speed it's at doesn't really matter because it's about the service like, that's a great stat. Like, okay, we are ahead. But, like, you could argue we was spread out more because you needed to buy these games and a drip feed ensures people have enough money and they're not cannibalizing sales of one game with another game with another game. But when you have it Netflix style, yeah, we started with 15. We should have, like, 10 a month because I feel like that whole logic goes out the window about a drip feed. There's a reason. Netflix gives us, like, 100 plus exactly. videos a month. Yeah, because when you But have, also takes away. True. But when you have the power to choose specifically what you want to do within a bucket of things – more people will go in more directions. So you need more options to make that possible or else the limitations feel that much more glaring, basically. So something like Joy Mech Fight would help to mitigate that a little, I'd say, because it's something new and different. A lot of people will check it out who normally wouldn't check it out. So they might go in and be like, oh, I really want this that doesn't exist or that that doesn't exist, but they'll all focus in on, well, I never had the chance to try this thing. It's kind of like Bandersnatch did huge for Netflix because it's something new and different and a big deal. Bird Box did huge for Netflix because it was something that no one knew about, no one knew what it was, and then they heard good positive buzz about it. If Nintendo were to release a game that no one's heard of in America or that no one's played in America properly, localized for the first time, there'd be buzz about it. There'd be people wanting to check it out because it's different. It would kind of be like the Bird Box or the Bandersnatch of Switch Online, at least for a day or two or three. And that would help quell some of the annoyance about things like the A3 release of Zelda 2. Or what have you. So, I don't know. I'm just saying, Nintendo, if you're listening, you should probably do it. Like, I, I honestly suspect that this craving for choice is why so many people probably want other systems, including on Switch Online, sooner rather than later, too. What's the name of the Japanese exclusive game again? Joy Mech Fight. Oh, Joy Mech Fight. Yeah. I mean, it sounds cool, but... Yeah, I, don't, I know nothing about it. It's that little Rayman-looking pink guy. Oh, that dude. I think he's from it. Yeah. I might be wrong. Well, you did say because of the Smash Bros. tie-in, or is that what you were getting? Well, I was saying it's it's a nice coincidental timing, which is probably not a coincidence. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I was starting to say that like I think I think this whole like f- feeling of wanting more choice is what's driving a lot of people 
to you know like not be happy that's just NES because even like honestly NES as a whole is kind of passe now arguably like Nintendo re-released these games so many times more than probably any other yeah, system yeah it literally makes me sick to my stomach whenever I have I, to that's extreme but <laughs> but no like the interest is just the, the, the thing is if you keep releasing things they're no longer nostalgic because they're just fresh now people are literally getting upset that they even have to deal with did you know the word NES did you know that every new trailer for Switch Online's NES library every month is has more downvotes and upvotes or more thumbs down than thumbs up on YouTube because people are like I'm tired of this or I want more games or whatever and I, I think honestly part of it is the frenzy over NES Classic sort of led Nintendo straight. Like I think they saw that and they assume people still care a ton about the NES, which they do. I mean they bought this thing in droves, but I think they cared about buying a cool nostalgic collectible with a bunch of games on it. Yeah, they care about the collectible. Most yeah. people are probably not even gonna play it. Yeah, they like two years two years later even if they did play it, two years later either they're over those games array or the games are too fresh in their memory that like why they don't need the nostalgia of now they could play it on Switch and have their friend watch online. Okay. Like, they don't necessarily want to revisit them because they just did that. Which makes bringing over Super Nintendo games that much more interesting. Because I'm sure it's going to have a similar wall. In that, you know, Super Nintendo Classic also sold really well. But where uh, the SNES holds a bit more promise is it looks like Nintendo's actually doing a better job of distinguishing what's on Switch from what's on the SNES Classic more so than they did with the NES. So a data miner... Yes, the very same people we said ruined video games last episode. I know. But a data miner found some interesting stuff buried in the Switch Online code that points to not just Super Nintendo games happening perhaps sooner than we think, but also which games are happening. There were 22 in all. I'm not going to read the giant list, but I found it interesting. But no Donkey Kongs. No, uh, the original Donkey Kong Country is on there, I think. No Donkey Kong Country 2. Uh, well, it'll come eventually. This is just the first wave. But what I found interesting is there are seven games on the list that were not on the SNES Classic. Demon's Crest, Stunt Race FX, Poppin' Twinby, Kirby's Dream Land 3, Super Mario All-Stars, Breath of Fire 2. That's a pretty big variety of genres and gameplay, even within just those seven games. They don't really overlap too much. Like Maybe Kirby and Mario are kind of similar, but even not really. Now compare that with the initial list of NES games that was on Switch Online. There were only four games on the NES Switch Online when it launched, that were not on the NES Classic, and all four were sports games, and all four were made. Yeah, all four were <laughs> terrible. Actually, they're they're they're, pretty, they're, they're, they're okay. Let's they're they're, they're ironically very fun. Yeah, and and they were all put there because NES Online multiplayer was kind of the forefront of the thought, and that's ice hockey, tennis, pro wrestling, and baseball. Everything else the NES Online had at launch existed on the Classic. Everything, everything except this one genre of crappy sports games that make for some pretty fun ironic online play. Meanwhile, like I said, SNES has seven games, all different genres. It seems like if the data miner's data is true, and I'm going to assume it is because they found descriptions for each game already localized from multiple regions in the code. Like, who wastes their time doing that? They're not going to roll it out. It seems, like, it seems like if that's true, with Super Nintendo, we'll be getting a better balance. And that gives me hope that Nintendo's starting to listen to the feedback and pick, pick up on it. And they also found two additional emulators in there, codenamed uh, Hayoko and Count. They don't know what it is. I'm guessing Genesis and Turbo Graphics. Who knows, though? But it looks like Nintendo's starting to ramp this up. It looks like they're hearing people. It just took them a long time to get there. So to bring this back around to the bigger point of this episode, like imagine if we had Nintendo Direct, and they were like, hey, SNES games are coming soon. Or hey, check it out. Joy Mech Fighter, available now. 
Like that's the type of like little like thing that could get people excited, even though it's a very small piece of news inside a direct of mm-hmm. miscellaneous blah news potentially. You know, like it could be a mediocre direct, but those are like the little things that they could check those boxes, and they didn't. Yeah. They didn't even have a direct to check them in, and then they didn't do it. So I don't know. Like I, I actually really like the look of that Super Nintendo game list. The Super Nintendo game list is pretty solid. I know most of the games I'm pretty happy with. I kind of wish we got Donkey Kong Country one and two right from the get go. But they've but, never. Oh, I guess they did do multiple with uh, the the classics. So never mind. Yeah, I mean you got Star Fox one and Star Fox two. Yeah, you know what's awesome. interesting? Star Fox two's on that list. Oh. It's not gonna be. It's not gonna be like hardware locked to this NES classic if this is all real. Hmm. I still really want Unit Racers to come out more as a piece of history than anything else. I mean, Stunt Race Uni- FX comes close. Unit Racers. All I know about that game is just that it's like that back of the box. No, back, yeah, the the, the unicycle with the weird eyes. Yeah, because it had like a crazy like um, it just had a crazy like logo on the back of like the Super Nintendo. Yeah, like the Super Nintendo box that I got. Like I just remember it took up so much like real estate that I'm like, what is this unicycle game? <laughs> Nintendo had high hopes for it and but, they did not but deliver. I never, but I never had it. Yeah, so Uniracers will never see a lot of day because Pixar sued them. Because the the unicycle resembles an early Pixar character from a demo Pixar made or an early short Pixar made or something like that. And they basically sued the game into oblivion and Nintendo has not released it again since. But it's apparently kind of fun. You have two side-scrolling racetracks and you play these little unicycles and you have to just – it's kind of like the minecart from Donkey Kong I think. But it's like multiplayer and you're going like twice as fast. I think. I don't really know to be honest because again – it doesn't exist in my I don't I don't illegally emulate, so it does not exist in my in my worldview. I don't know anything about it beyond the Pixar story. Oh, that's disappointing. But I would love if Nintendo somehow could work it out. They're friends with Disney now, they can make it happen and then give us Uniracers on Switch. Because again, it's another Joy Mech Fighter situation. Uniracers, first time you could play it in over twenty years. That could be a selling point. That could be kind of a I wouldn't say it's a bird box moment, but it's like a Season 5 of House of Cards, where, like, a few people care, <laughs> but mm. not as many as you would think. Uh, yeah, I don't know. There's opportunity there. Well, maybe in time. Maybe in time. And that's something else we could put in time. That would be on. amazing to see, not because it would be a great game, potentially, but I would just like to see, like, a Uniracer's, like, 2019 like, remake or something. That'd be cool, actually. Actually, that could be kind of cool, yeah. I mean, I don't know what kind of, like... I mean, kind of the, the way... I mean, with Excitrix, anything but... A Wii franchise? Well, it started as Excite Bike, as you may recall. And then it became Excite oh, Bike 64. Like... Yes, it is a riff on Excite Bike. It is oh. a spinoff. Excite Truck specifically and Excite Bot specifically were only on Wii. And this is a great opportunity to remind everyone listening that um, Excite Bots deserves a sequel. And it should happen on Switch. And I'm available for consulting Nintendo if you just want a really big fan to give his input. Just monster games i know you're done with donkey kong port on 3ds because that came out three years ago so i'm assuming you're working on this you're making the best excite truck possible no but seriously um yeah those two those two are only on wii that's correct Mm -hmm. but the broader franchise is excite bike um yeah so that's the first party stuff that could have been in the direct but wasn't because there wasn't a direct but there's also third party news that felt perfectly fit for a direct and then we just you know didn't get a direct so one that immediately jumps out to me is the fact that game freak makers of pokemon have an entirely new game coming to switch well sort of new port of an old game and it's not town it's called giga record alt and while technically it's been on steam since uh i think like 2016 or 17 um 
this is going to mark its first appearance on any console. It's going to be out on all consoles, and ultimately, it's a Metroidvania, as if we don't have enough of those already. But the fact that it's from Game Freak is what makes it so interesting to me. Like, to this day, I'd argue that Game Freak has not released a single bad game. Like, I think their most recent non-Pokemon on Nintendo platform release was probably, what, Harmonite? Yeah. And that was, that was a fun game. Yeah, but the the elf. No, no, yeah, that's yeah, Nintendo. Not. Yeah, yeah, but but I like I like Harmonite. I mean, you're a rhythm game expert. What what's your assessment of Harmonite looking back a few years later? Do, do you think it even holds up? Yeah, it holds up. It was fun and different. Very pretty. My yeah. my personal go to example of how good um, Game Freak games are will always be the excellent Drill Dozer for Game Boy Advance. I don't remember. Did you play Drill Dozer? No. So it's great. Like what it did. Is it took I mean, a, no one else thought so, I guess. No, people did. It's just after the DS came out, so none of people were around to care. Mm. But what was great about Drill Dozer is they took what you'd expect from a platformer and kind of spun it on its head. Pun intended. And pause for applause and laughter. And there's none. And continue. Uh, no, but seriously, like you didn't actually control the character in any direct way. You controlled two drills that she had with the L and R buttons. So one would drill forward, the other would drill backward. And then you use that to navigate these elaborate levels full of obstacles and enemies, and they all required you to essentially spin one way, another way, or a combination of the two ways. And it was really unique and fun. It's this action platformer. It was definitely like a jam of the Game Boy Advance lineup that most people didn't play. But it was like, this is this is what Game Freak does well. They take things that you are used to and kind of put them, you know, present them differently. Like even Harmonite. It was kind of a platformer. It's kind of a puzzle game, but it's actually both presented like, mm, I mean I mean I guess that one less so because that, that's yeah, trip yeah, that's basically now that I think trip, about it. Yeah. so Harmonite's not a good example but you know what is a good example potentially it looks like is Giga Record Alt which is the new game because uh, it's kind of you know adds core to 2D Metroidvania it even has drills like Drill Dozer but what, they, what they're doing that's different is the gameplay hook the gameplay mechanic is that the entire world is full of destructible objects and environments that have realistic physics and you collect the debris as you destroy things to craft what you need to solve puzzles. So you can lock them into a block to reach platforms. You can make a giant javelin to stab enemies. You can make a drill to doze or drill to doze to doze. Yeah, to no. What? To What's the word I'm looking through? for? To drill. I'm, I'm getting thrown off because I'm like drill dozer. So do you doze a drill? Either way, my point is Giga Giga Wrecker Alt lets you drill through things like in Drill Dozer, out of debris made out of debris to make more debris and based on the trailer there look to be like dozens upon dozens of different weapons you can forge or craft or whatever you are caught in different items and whatnot and how you use them in the environment is what powers your ability to get the next one because you know the destruction you cause and the debris you Giga collect the keeps going game or the it's real... so it was on steam i think in like 2016 is what i was saying but um, um no wonder because when i looked it up it's like your videos from like two years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like but, the ending, but and I'm so like, oh. For the Switch version, they're changing it up because uh, Rising Star Games is going to be publishing it, and they're adding new stuff. So there's going to be 20 more stages. It's going to be a harder difficulty. It's going to be a new character. It's also going to come with a level editor, which I'm not even – that might have been in the original game. I honestly don't know, but now it's there. And uh, either way, like it's out on Switch later this year. There's going to be a physical edition via, I want to say, Limited Run Games or one of those short-term publishers. Um I'm just saying, it looks super cool, and it would have been perfect in Nintendo Direct announcement. You know, uh, like, hey, are you enjoying Pokemon? Then check out had this... a very traditional anime. Yeah, that's the only thing it. I'm kind of like. I wish they went almost. So when you said, um, like Game Freak was making their own game, like usually all their games look pretty distinct, but this one does not. 
Like of all their games, they look very generic. It does. It Especially almost looks for like this Azure, style of game. It almost looks like a uh, Gunvolt in a way. Mm-hmm. Magic Striker Gunvolt. But yeah, it's minus that. Everything about it sounds very game freaky. It's like you know, what I mean, like it seems like it takes something and does something different with it. It got it has good feedback on Steam, and like I was saying, I feel like it'd be perfect in a direct because they could be like, hey like in pokemon then check out this crazy destructive adventure from the same studio or whatever like it's literally the big... <laughs> but don't use pokemon as the base because yeah. it's really not like that at all no but it's really like um it's like the video game version of those you may also like links you see mm-hmm. at the end of a blog post like oh here's related content by the same author mm-hmm. and you might check it out just for that like it feels like it even though it's a multi-platform release even though it's been on steam it feels like this is the type of thing nintendo would highlight as a third party title on switch because it's by their buddies at game freak and it looks cool like I don't know. I, I feel like you're looking at it, right? Are you watching? Yeah, I'm watching the trailer. What do you think? Real-time mm. feedback. Go. I don't know if I'm going to get it. I mean, it looks fun, but not quite enough for me to be interested, I guess. Not enough to overcome the Metroidvania <laughs> sameism. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It looks very interesting. That's just what I'll say. Very interesting. Yeah, it's it's kind of... It, it. I'm not used to seeing like actual things like have realistic physics in a 2D anime look in space like that like the way things fall and crumble and break is very mm-hmm. very almost ragdollish it is very ragdollish but it's yeah. 2d but yes yeah, so i'm curious about it it's out later this year um but the the like uh you may also like joke i was making it actually kind of works for another game that could have been in a direct and should have been in a direct capcom made the surprise announcement of a switch port of dragon's dogma dark arisen this too is an older game um i want to say it was on ps3 and 360 in like 2012 or 13 maybe that got a remaster on ps4 and xbox one in the last couple years and now it's going portable on switch yeah that game i played a demo it was pretty fun it basically just felt like medieval monster hunter yeah that's what i was about to say is everything i've heard about the game and seen about the game this is the you may also like for folks who bought monster hunter generations ultimate on switch like here's your next game or even like the way that you can swap things online, almost like a little bit of Dark Souls in there. But um, yeah, they're very similar. Yeah, I, wise. exactly. Yeah, and I, and I think what what's interesting about Dragon's Dogma and what kind of makes it feel monster hunter from what I've read, or maybe you collaborate on this since you played it, is third person RPG right off the bat, very combat, very elaborate combat. But its boss battles use the same target specific parts of the boss as Monster Hunter does, or the same concept of that, right? Well, it's felt like. Both of them just involve fighting big monsters if you just have to memorize their attack patterns mm, and okay. I know slowly one, whittle them down. This one has like almost a Shadow Colossus like climb the monster mechanic too, doesn't it? Um, Sort of. I mean, I guess like some monsters in Monster Hunter you can also like jump on. Mm, okay. But not to the extent that this one would. This one does though. So. so yeah, it does kind of like right. take it a step further. And and what's also, and in another way it kind of takes it a step further. What's also kind of interesting is it has, I sort of alluded to this, but you can have, you can make ai controlled party members you can customize them you can fire them you can you know you can build uh, build a party and then you go out with that party and fight the monsters which is kind of like a monster hunter raid party except mm-hmm. instead of real people they're all ai but you can then send these ai people into the internet and get other ai people from the internet so it's like you have computer controlled m- monster hunter party mates except it's not monster hunter but it's, it's right it's like the ai version of monster hunters multiplayer kind of exactly and it doesn't even require switch online like it doesn't need the subscription you can just do it for free hmm. they made a point of saying that so like i that's pretty much where my knowledge of this ends like i don't know much about dragon's dogma besides that and i'm not saying it's a full-on monster Hunter reincarnate and i think you're also not saying that but the parallels are there and that makes it seem like 
a pretty savvy, albeit ex- unexpected move by Capcom to bring it to Switch. It seems like a game worth looking into because, I mean, it's just one of those games that you don't know if you'll really like it or not. Yeah. So. And the Switch version, like, they're going to have all the DLC. They're promising UI tweaks so it actually caters to the small screen, which is something I wish more developers would do. Like, we talked about this before, like, how Rocket League in those games, Warframe, all their UI looks like it's just, like, a PC game. I mean, game. it's not every day third-party companies bring in their AAA game, so it's always worth giving those, like, an extra look. Oh, totally. Yeah. And it's out pretty soon. It's out on April 23rd, which, again, would have made this a perfect Nintendo Direct announcement. I mean, the game's existence, literally, it was announced the same day as Yoshi and Kirby's release date and the same day as the January NES game lineup was revealed. It makes you wonder if at some point they're supposed to actually legitimately be a Direct and not just me saying that. Hmm. Like, that's not just me, like, framing an episode around that. I mean, literally, why will all these be announced in the same day? It feels like it was meant to be. And there's other interesting third-party games that could have been padding the lineup of this Direct out as well. I mean, I don't know if you remember in the early Nintendo Direct days, they always would talk about Gunman Clive and uh, Oli Oli, or Oli Oli, however you want to say it, mm-hmm. on 3DS. They are now both coming to Switch as compilations. They'll have their originals and their you know, sequels in two packs. I almost forgot, before I forget, hmm. we need to get, um, what were they called? Freaky Forms as a Nintendo Selects. Oh, that one. Yeah, yeah. Really, there were two of them. It was just really weird. There was like, or one and a half of them. The trailer was just weird. Freaky Forms was a weird game, and the weird thing to me it even about got Freaky... its own song in Smash Brothers. The, that's right, it did. The weird thing about Freaky Forms to me is like the game's kind of weird, but it was big enough deal for Nintendo that they made a half sequel to make a physical release. Like they had Freaky Forms, and then they had like Freaky Forms subtitle here, which was actually like available in stores to buy, and then we never heard a peep about it. So yeah, that should be... I don't know if that should be a select because I don't know if that's going to drag down the quality indication that select comes with, but it's definitely one that we should... Someone should take a second look at. Mm-hmm. Maybe not us. Maybe us. I don't know. We'll hunt it down. It's on the eShop. But uh, what was I saying? What was I talking about? Oh yeah, I was saying that the Direct would have had so much other stuff because we had those compilations. Square Enix, within a day or two of Dragon's Dogma being announced, confirmed that the Switch ports of Final Fantasy X slash ten two and of twelve, they're both coming in late April. They could have announced that in a direct with some brief gameplay footage. I mean, it's not like they didn't spend a couple minutes of the last direct just throwing logos in our faces for a dozen Final Fantasy parts. You might as well follow it up with some gameplay footage too. Like, right? That could have worked. That even work. Even news of Switch getting something as random as the entire trilogy of Dragon's Lair in one package. Like, they could have done a small little gaming history segment and included that. Like, the compilation's already out on, on the eShop. It could have been a shadow drop. But the one where I feel like it was really a missed opportunity that they didn't cover is, weirdly enough, Fishing Star World Tour, which is a fishing game. The game itself isn't necessarily a big deal. You catch fish, you have one Joy-Con as the rod, you have one other Joy-Con as your reel, you're literally making a reeling motion to reel in the fish, and you do it across 40 locations, and there's 180 kinds of fish, and you can get more than 70 types of, of gear. So, like, if you like arcade fishing... This thing got you covered. Like, this is your game. But the reason I was saying it would make sense in a direct is because it supports the Toy-Con fishing rod from the Labo Variety Kit. And granted, it only uses Finally. it... Right? But granted, it only uses it for one specific main game and not the main game where you catch 180 different kinds of fish and send 70 types of gear in 40 locations. But um, it's still there. And this is one of only a very small number of non-Labo releases that actually use the Toy-Cons. I think the only other one, besides the steering options in Mario Kart 8, the only other one is an eShop rhythm game called Demo, which retrofitted 10 of its songs to support the piano Toy-Con. 
which is kind of cool. And in both cases, and really why I think Nintendo could have highlighted them as a pair, is you got to cross over Labo into the traditional gaming space on Switch. Like if Nintendo does want to keep selling Labo, you got to broaden out the the potentially interested people. We were talking last episode about how Labo may be more of a flash in the pan than everyone originally thought, and maybe 2019 won't be round two of Labo as perhaps some expected. I know you're saying you kind of want to see the kit with the bird and stuff. Know, Who knows what that's going to happen if there's no bird Labo. kit, right? But if Nintendo, like if Nintendo feels like they still have hope for Labo and they want to make the bird kit a reality, I feel like you got to go more broad. You got to share the concept beyond the original target demographic and showing how quote unquote normal games can use your cardboard doodads in unique interesting ways is a good way of doing that so doing a direct segment about all these weird little games that do weird little things with your cardboard that would help that might get someone that's like ah am i gonna get am i gonna build a fishing rod just for that one dumb mini game oh there's another game that has a dumb mini game well that's two dumb mini games i'm in like you never know it could, or the or demo to have like actual gameplay for your piano like there's it, it's all very small things that all build up to be a bigger value to the whoever it is that might be buying it. So it just seems like it makes sense to do. But of course, in order to do that, you have to have a Nintendo Direct. And with everything we just ran through since the start of this episode, so for the last like hour and a half or so, Yoshi, Kirby, the 3DS news, the NES games, the third-party stuff, it feels like it could have made up the majority of a decent to good, but probably not great, Nintendo Direct Mini. Like maybe throw in a couple surprises and you're good. I actually went back because I'm so stuck on this idea. I went back. I looked at the Direct Mini they did last January, and this could have easily worked as one too because a year ago, that was the one where they announced a few surprises like The World Ends With You and Dark Souls Remastered, but they also spent a lot of time just showing footage of games we knew about, you know, first-party games, third-party games. They could have done that again. There's a lot of games we know about that they could just make a new trailer for. They also focused at the time on DLC for games like Pokin and Mario Odyssey and Mario and Rabbids. I feel like Smash Bros. and Travis Strikes again and maybe some new Fortnite season content like that could have subbed in this year for that segment. Like, it could have been done and it could have been fine. It wouldn't have been the most acclaimed Nintendo Direct ever, but they could have built more hype around all these little things that we just spent so long compiling for you. And I think what happened is Nintendo seems to have absolutely nothing to release until Kirby and Yoshi in March. In other words, they have a giant hole in their lineup. A glaring hole in their lineup and if they were to do a direct and show off everything it'd be very apparent that there's nothing coming from nintendo between now and march 29th except the piranha plant dlc for uh smash bros which is not the same as a whole new game i would argue maybe someone out there disagrees like i love piranha plant but maybe someone disagrees that that can't carry a whole month by himself it definitely cannot carry a whole month by yeah. itself so the question becomes why does this hole exist is it intentional is it not like we spent a good chunk of last episode discussing how many release opportunities they have this year they have enough for games almost monthly so why is there a two-month gap like even if new content like fire emblem or yoshi or town aren't ready that's fine why not release a port of something in their place metroid prime trilogy perfect filler i don't i mean obviously it's not real but why not like hypothetically they could even do a stealth release still in february or early march it's it's a reasonable thing to suggest because like literally why is there no game they're they've they've done it successfully you were saying earlier rhythm heaven kind of went out to die was sent to die but like hollow knight was also a a surprise drop at uh, e3 it sold quite well 
Yeah, then meanwhile, like, yeah, but Hollow Knight I feel had already like that nice reputation from right being so, a great Steam game and yeah being on other consoles and I mean Rhythm Heaven had nothing. <laughs> yeah, even for unless you were already in the know about the franchise itself, there was no there was no huge fan base. Yeah, to so like for it. so to that point, they could easily potentially I doubt it, but they could potentially do a stealth a surprise release, a stealth drop, whatever the term is. Uh, shadow release shadow drop is that what it's called i don't know but they could have done Stealth drop they could have done one of those and they still could for a port of a, of a wii u game or something to switch because those are well received like not to bring up excite bots the second time but if they want to just like up res excite bots and throw it out there it didn't do well on wii the first time it also had no notice it was also surprise drop but hey i just really want excite bots like do it and uh, just just give it to us in february it'll do well because everything does well on switch you'll be fine but um it realistically that's not going to happen. Um, one way they can actually do these ports in the future, maybe not in the next six to eight weeks, but at least down the line, would allow them to just be like, fine, put out excite bots and not worry about it. It's actually kind of crazy. Um, it's just kind of a side note, but artificial intelligence. They're going to use AI to upreds games. Like, they're already doing it. So, like, I, I don't know if you heard anything about this, but as you may know, NVIDIA's chips are what power the Switch, right? There's a Tegra mm-hmm. chip inside the Switch. NVIDIA also sells the the NVIDIA Shield with similar, not quite identical, but very similar chips. Over in China, they struck a deal with Nintendo to port over select Wii games to the Shield and sell digital copies of those games in their online store. Here's where things get interesting. NVIDIA released an update to one of those games, Twilight Princess, that includes drastically better texture work, all done by deep learning algorithms. In other words, AI. It changed. The AI changed something to the tune of 4,400 individual textures for the better. And they look good. Like, we, we have comparison shots. We have a link on this episode's blog post for comparison shots for those who want to see them. Honestly, some of the stuff the AI did, I prefer over Nintendo's own Twilight Princess HD on Wii U. Because it's, like, it's less bloom lighting, for one thing. It's just sharper, and it looks good. Like, specifically the uh, Bridge of El- Ed- Ed- Elden, whatever it's called, on the top screen. It looks really good. So the bar implication here is that if NVIDIA has tech like this running for games that run on the same or very similar chip to what the Switch has, hypothetically you could do this with Switch games or bringing, bringing new games to Switch. And that opens up a huge opportunity to release additional ports for Switch. Will they all sell boatloads? No. Will they all get physical releases? I doubt it. But hey, just throw them on the eShop, put a minimum investment in the up-res work and the marketing, and you're basically printing money at that point. And it provides the exact kind of lineup hole filler that Nintendo would need in February or March this year. So for the future, they seem set. Like, that could be the way to do it. That, of course, assumes that Nintendo didn't purposely leave this gap. And that brings us back to the why question of why are there no games for eight weeks? And I'm not, I'm not so sure that this was a mistake. I think this was a strategic gap they left. Like, I would love for there to be more ports as fans. I think we both would like to have more options of things to play. But if you look at where everything's at right now, Nintendo can just kind of ride out the wave of strong sales and save ports or whatever when they actually need them to help boost numbers. Like right now, they're doing fine. If they plan to release a game to help lagging Switch sales, they do not need to do it because those sales are not lagging. In Japan right now, mini Jason sales corner. In Japan right now, Switch sales are ahead of the Wii's. And that's compared to when the Wii was in its heyday. Switch has now exceeded over 7 million units in just Japan in its 97th week. Wii was at 6.8 million in its 97th week. And again, that's when Wii was at its peak or peaking. 
and this translates to naturally more games being sold. So in Japan, this stat actually is kind of nuts. Like Nintendo's really back on top now. In Japan, eight of the top ten best-selling games in the year 2018 were on Switch and only Switch. They were Switch exclusives. Even in a smaller market like France, where Switch has sold uh, two million units, half of France's top ten in 2018 were Switch exclusive. Huh. Like it's it's crazy that Nintendo's pulling numbers like this. Individual games are killing it too. Uh, back in Japan, Smash Bros. Ultimate in eight weeks outsold the lifetime Japanese sales of Smash on 3DS. So three years worth of sales were topped in three weeks. I mean, sorry, eight weeks. And now you've got New Super Mario Bros. U Deluxe, which is essentially just a port, as we were talking about before, and one that's missing features. And in Japan, it had a stronger launch week than the Wii U original. Only by a few thousand, but still, it, it outperformed the Wii U original. And the crazier stat comes from the UK. Over there, Mario U Deluxe saw its first week sales be 56% higher than the Wii U originals. And that's especially crazy when you consider that when a game launches alongside a new system like Mario U did with the Wii U, it usually gets a bump because there's not much else to play yet. There's only a handful of games. So on Switch, where there's already a thousand plus games, Mario U is still doing that well and is still ahead that much of a launch game version, Is that's kind of a big deal. And even like little games like Tales of Vesperia, the definitive edition, it's exceeding sales expectations. In the UK... Top selling version was the Switch version, outsold the PS4 version. In Japan, Makes it's sense. strong. It, it's oh not, yeah, because it's portable. Yeah. Well, I mean, even though it was a, I mean, it was originally an Xbox 360 game, but because it was a 360 game, it's not like a graphics heavy one. I True. feel like. So you don't really need it on PS4. Yeah, it's yeah. not a. Yeah, you don't need to have it on the but biggest. Do, system. Would you have expected it to sell so well in Japan that there are shortages? No. Yeah. Because that's happening too. Like, all this is to say. Cheapers. Yeah, all this is to say jeepers, and we're done. Thanks, everyone. No, no. Uh, all this is to say that maybe, maybe Nintendo doesn't actually need any new releases until Yoshi. Like when you have analysts who are previously saying that Nintendo's never going to hit that twenty million Switches sold this fiscal year goal that they, you know, Nintendo's been talking up. They're now suddenly being quoted saying, "Well, actually, they might be able to pull it off. Things are turning, like things are looking up, like you're doing something right." And for us, it's not as exciting. For many listeners, it's probably not as exciting. But like for angels, not exciting. For angels, not exciting. You literally yawned as I was saying that. Uh, but no, like it. I get why they're kind of riding the wave here a bit. There's no reason for them to rush a game out when they could keep it in their back pocket for a more crucial time when they do need to boost sales. They're they're coasting. And yeah, you could always say, well, there's still money left on the table, but you gotta think long term strategy here. Like you gotta think about what will Nintendo's stock price do? What will happen this in this scenario and that scenario? What if a game gets delayed in two years? So they can sit on stuff now. And I suspect that, at least for us core fans, I think Nintendo was kind of expecting Travis Strikes Again, No More Heroes to kind of serve as a stopgap. That just came out. They've been promoting it quite heavily. It has all sorts of nods and tie-ins to other games that us core fans would appreciate. You know, the collectible shirt thing is really small, but now they're doing, like, legendary shirts, Majora's Mask, Jet Set Radio. Uh, yeah, Jet Set Radio. It... It feels like it's a game made by a gamer for gamers, and I think Nintendo's kind of like, sweet, we can promote that with our tweets and everything, and our video. Yeah, like, they're promoting pretty I think heavily. it was announced so early yeah. that I think I probably wasn't going to get it anyway because I guess I just never really got into the No More Heroes franchise. Yeah. I can appreciate it, but just never got into it. But when it was first announced at that, like, Nintendo Switch event, and, like, the creator came on stage, yeah. and you just see, like, no more heroes like travis touchdown and it's like whoa like i wonder what it's gonna be and it and ended up this and then they later announce it properly and it's like oh it's like 
not a full normal here. It's like a yeah. downscaled version of it. I don't know. That's my concern. That's why I was building towards. I'm like, they're doing all these things right with it, but I don't think Nintendo's paid that the game's not like like you can't trot out Suda fifty one at the Switch conference. And then have the game be pitched as, oh, if yeah, it's, it's different, but you're going to all these other indie games. And then not even have that actually be what they said. It's literally like it's, having Kojima go on stage, and then you see, like, if, yeah, we, yeah, that's right. We brought back Kojima, and we got him to cooperate with Konami so that we could bring Metal Gear Solid to the Switch. And then later... And they announced port of Twin Snakes. And, and then later on, they, no, not even that. They, they later announced it's just Portable Ops. Oh, God. <laughs> actually, not even Portable Ops. Yeah. It's, um, the card game one. Yeah, yeah, the card game the one. The card game one. So... Because everyone will obviously explain, like, oh, we're going to get, like, yeah. a downscaled version of Pete, like, of, um, I'm going to give Phantom Limb or something like Whatever, that. Phantom but... Limb. Yeah, so, so that Phantom Pain. Oh, Phantom oh, Pain. Yeah, Phantom, Phantom Limb is when, you're, is when you lose a limb and then your body thinks it's still there. So well, you... that's kind of the idea. Oh. Yeah. Never mind. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Everyone in that game. Loses like, limbs? Well, loses something. Oh. Uh, I mean, it oh, doesn't even have that a hand. Work. Okay. So and he has a robot arm. I was, I was Jason splaining something that was already clear. Yeah, mm, you as I did. look like a doofus. I sure did, I but mean, not as big of a doofus as Nintendo for bringing so much hope into Travis Strikes Again. This is, this is why Jason's favorite Pokemon is Bidoof. It's true, because I he is my spirit Pokemon. He's my spirit animal and Pokemon. I probably shouldn't admit that on a recording where it could be listened to later. I regret saying that. No, but uh, like, don't get me wrong about Travis Strikes. I I I agree with you. I don't know if i'm sold on it like the ambitions there the hustle is there if this was a more traditional no more heroes i'd be all over it honestly i still may pick it up but it feels weirdly like generic because of the gameplay changes i mean i've always seen some footage or read some reviews but like i I think what's holding me back is that they move the combat from up close behind the back third person to top down hotline miami style yeah and that kind of strips out some of its identity because like yes no more heroes on wii was a bit repetitive gameplay wise in the same way that you could say travis strikes again is i mean all you're doing is fighting wave after wave of emmy but it sure felt stylish when you were doing it because you're close up to the action there's all sorts of slick stuff happening you're using motion controls which made it feel a bit more visceral than just tapping the a button and maybe the b button from time to time like it was the perfect intertwining of these three elements of like motion control style and uh, gameplay type and from what i've seen with travis strikes again and I'd be happy to be proven wrong about this. But it just doesn't have that same feel. Like, one cool thing I saw in a review are that there are these visual novel elements that kind of look like the codec conversations from Metal Gear. Find out you brought Metal Gear. Um, and apparently those do successfully convey, like, the zaniness of Suda51, like his signature style. It's just the main gameplay doesn't because you're looking from the top and you can't really see what's going on and i don't know i will have to look into it more but it just feels like a weaker payoff given as you point out the two years of build-up and all these promises They're like oh it's gonna be no more heroes okay it's gonna be a little different but you're going into these real indie games okay the indie games are actually made up but we do have shirts of real indie games it's like well what is it guys so we'll, we'll see but i'm not holding my breath that this is great some people seem to love it i was reading some impressions on reset era and people some people are all about it yeah but, i mean i'm sure it definitely scratches that yeah quote-unquote retro gaming itch or that just no more heroes itch of not of just like the craziness just to beat them up i don't know yeah i don't know it's hard to say but maybe we're just better off talking about games we're actually playing instead of ones that we're not playing but may future play but may not so uh smash brothers as usual yeah yeah with that in mind we should shift over to what we have been playing the past few weeks we've been playing smash it's still still fun it's still are we gonna go four episodes if you're talking about smash in a row it's still holding its own um People are still confused about 
the GSP. <laughs> Not so much about the rankings, how we were talking about last time. Yeah. But more specifically, what it takes to become elite. Because some people apparently are still struggling to get to elite. But really? people just don't know where it is because it keeps moving every day. I mean, now it's people say it's around it's a 3 million. A... Yeah, so what's your rank now? I mean, you must be like at two... I don't. I don't play online that much anymore. I mean, it used to be right in the middle. Or I haven't looked in middle, a long time because I don't play. But I imagine it's now going to be like around 2.5, million. If I, I don't know because I haven't looked in a long time because when I play Smash, I play Spirit Board, as I said last episode because I'm obsessed with that mode. Check. I, want to I don't. I, oh, no, I meant right no, now. I'm no, like, oh, no, I meant no, I mean the next. Yeah, time. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I'm curious where that is, but I mean, other than that, um, you've been playing for Portal, my. Portal. Well, I was gonna get into that for, oh. yeah, for my brother-in-law's party. We actually had a, I don't know, over the past like couple weekends, like Puyo Puyo Tetris has kind of been coming up a lot, mainly just it because has. me and my brother-in-laws have been just like, competing with like oh just one v one Tetris. So we've been playing that a lot, and first we were just playing the demo because the demo is kind of more than odd pretty much all you need if you're just trying to play a quick round it but, does boot you out at the end of every yeah, round but if you're but, only doing one who yeah cares? And, and you could go back in pretty quickly but ultimately you want to have the full version which i feel it definitely more than earned its day but what i kind of wanted to touch on was it's kind of revisiting how fun it actually is like we were playing tetris with two three four people it gets crazy chaotic but then after playing a Tetris for a while I just had to try Puyo because I never touched Puyo and I figured I never was going to because I felt like I didn't have a reason to but actually being actually ended up being really fun and very different it goes from um throw your blocks down as fast as possible and almost like kind of preemptively like storing some and I don't know Tetris I feel it's like very reactionary very quick and Puyo is almost the exact opposite it's very that sounds like a fair assessment. It, it's very methodical. It's very slow because that one isn't about making, you know, your Tetris. You're you're slowly stacking them, and the object is to get as many chains as possible. You don't just want to match three colors as soon as you can because that's literally going to do nothing. You're just going to cancel out your own build, and you're not going to throw any chunks at your opponents, which you know fills up their screen and causes them to lose. So what you have to do is essentially. You have to match four. So you have to match three of them of the same color. So you match three green Puyos. And then right before... And then when you have that fourth color coming down, instead of matching it, you just flip that shape over so that you have, say, three on the bottom, a green one right above the reds, and then another red one right above the green one. So there's literally just one green separating them. Then you want to match three greens next to that green one with one color on top and so on and so forth. So you it's have, kind of Dr. Mario. So you have kind of like a staircase... Right? Kind of, except I don't think Dr. Mario's... Actually, yeah, it's basically the same thing. Except Dr. Mario has a much bigger template. Right. So then you get like four, five, six chains just from one, and it feels extremely satisfying. And when you do like a five chain, you pretty much insta-kill all your opponents, which means that your opponents also have to play the game much differently because normally Mm -hmm. when you're just playing against people that are just playing Tetris, if you're good enough, going for Tetris's back-to-back, that means you're stacking... Normally, Tetris has like seven columns so what you do is you just stack you just play with six of those columns stack eight rows so that you have eight complete rows that and then you just store a you know a straight tetramino stack it stack it you do double tetris and then you just destroy your opponent but that strategy is too slow against a puyo puyo player because by the time you do that you're gonna die my strategy in tetris is to just not die and to make sure that the board doesn't get too full I will occasionally get a good combo and be like, oh, look at me. But I will also just be like, well, I'm still alive. So yeah, it worked out for It worked sometimes. 
So to beat Puyo Puyo, in that sense, you have to play Tetris without that mindset. So yeah. Instead, you have to... In- or my mindset. Don't use my so mindset basically, either. Which makes it interesting because now you have to play with the mindset of instead of creating Tetris, you know, its namesake, you have to intentionally create... <laughs> you know, Tetris. <laughs> you have to stack rows, but always leaving enough of a gap so that every time you drop a piece, you will create at least one new line. So... Essentially, you want to stack your rows high enough without creating any kind of combo. And then you just want to start dropping the blocks so that you create one line, then two lines, and three lines, and four lines, and mm-hmm. five lines, back to back to back to back. That way you could get a nice long combo chain. And if you do that, then you'll destroy the Tetris per- the Puyo Puyo person. So it's uh, an interesting back and forth. It's just yeah. kind of like a race, like who can set up their their magnum opus quicker. But <laughs> yeah, I, I remember when it first came out. We talked about it on the show because I have the full copy. But uh, for those who haven't played it, like gameplay wise, it's great. But be aware, it's very bubblegummy. It's very cutesy. It's very anime. Yeah, who's and, the what was the name of the character that keeps yelling out Tetris? Even though so, it's not a Tetris? so I don't know his name, but he is a professor and he's a bear. He's a science bear, and he's actually my favorite character. But it is a little weird that the smart science bear keeps saying Tetris when he does not complete Tetrises. And then when he does complete a Tetris, he says something totally different. There's also a vitamin robot who will just say vitamins when he does stuff. And then when he does other stuff, he says nutrients. And then he does some other thing and he says, uh, I forgot what it was, supplements maybe? But basically, they're all these weird little catchphrases. So you just need to come to accept that. Like, I'm fine with it. I bought into Puyo Puyo Tetris two years ago knowing that's part of the package. Everyone at your... uh, brother-in-law's party was not cool with the voiceovers and i was being science bear who doesn't know what tetris is which just made it that much more annoying for them but uh yeah well you, because it kind of throws them off it like, does because they think a tetris is being delivered or yeah dropped, and, and then but it's like, not yeah. and then like where's the garbage for the tetris that should be online and it's not and they're confused but no it, it is a really good package overall like it's and all the strategy stuff it's interesting because like you could play tetris you could play poyo poyo like literally they're releasing standalone Poyo Poyo on Switch soon. It'll be part of Sega Ages, the classics compilation that they release individually, because that makes sense. Um, and that one's gonna that one's kind of cool because it's not just the original game. They're actually including the uh, arcade stuff, arcade content that never made it stateside before. So there'll be new Poyo Poyo things to try. But like, if you want just Poyo Poyo, get that. If you want just Tetris, there's also that. I think Hudson makes it. But if you want this like cool hybrid that offers both games in full plus all the intricacies of what you were describing then Puyo Puyo Tetris is really the only way to do it yeah and it's it's probably one of the better puzzle games on Switch Definitely. as a result so, if not the best so how would you compare to this how would you compare Horizon Chase Turbo well you can't really compare them because one's a racing game well yeah you can you can compare anything it's apples and oranges oh there's yeah, a comparison yeah, you I, can, there's you, your comparison you can literally it's apples, apples and oranges and, yeah apples just compare them similarities fruits differences one is an apple and one is an orange <laughs> Okay, yeah, but that's like... One a, is a citrus. Well, that is a difference, yeah. Uh-huh. They both have seeds. One is now the name of a popular computer brand. One is way juicier than the other. One also has a very thick shell or skin, and the other one... One has a core. Yeah. I think we just lost, like, all our listeners. Just... Yeah, but see, we came up with a good number of similarities. So you want me to do that for Horizon Chase Turbo? Because I know you know I've been playing that. Um, it's a... No, I just talked about okay, it. Okay, yeah, so Horizon Ta- Chase Turbo has been what I've been playing the last couple of weeks. Um... I think I said this on the show before, but I'm a sucker for 90s arcade racers, like the Cruisins and the Rushes the of the world. Sucker. Uh, the biggest hu- Huge. Uh, like one of my all-time favorite DSiWare games, actually, is Asphalt 4 Elite Racing from Ubisoft, which is the precursor to all the Asphalt games on iPhone. 
Um, and I like it because it mirrors those types of games. And same with Ridge Racer DS. Not a good game, Ridge according to most reviews. Racer. But Kaz likes it. And that's who said that, right? It was Kaz in, on, at the Sony conference? Yeah. Yeah. Kaz likes it, and uh, I liked it a lot. Like, it, 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 if you look at reviews, it's like a 6. I'd say it's like a 9. I played it all the time, Ridge Racer DS. But anyway, those, all those games I just mentioned, evolved out of a different earlier 90s type of racer. Games like OutRun. And these are ones where it was less about the like dynamism of the track and more about weaving through who's on the track. Like it's less about jumps and vertical changes and up and down and more about twisty curvy roads you need to weave through cars on to the point where these games actually give you the slightest of auto steer assist to make sure you stay on the road because it's really about what's happening on the road. Not it's, The mission isn't try to stay on the road. It's like try to not crash into everything while you're on the road. And that's the type of game that Horizon Chase Turbo is playing, uh, like homage to, or paying homage to, I should say. Um, it's just modernized from more modern gaming. So what this means, in layman's terms, really, is that you shouldn't expect crazy jumps or extreme moments spelled with a capital X and no E. It's still very arcadey. It's just more grounded, if you will. Like you're always going to be going along a flat course, and the foreground will be the course, and the background that will be where things change and get interesting. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's bad or boring that it's set up like this. Like the developers do get creative in a couple different ways. They manipulate those backgrounds. They can do weather effects. It makes really cool moments. Um, there's this LA track set here in Los Angeles, of course, and it's super cool because it starts at sunset. As you're racing, that transforms into dusk, then into night, then all the city lights come on, then all the stars come out, and this is all while you're racing. Like it looks really cool. To the point that the first time I was playing it, it actually threw me off on the race because I was just sitting there watching the background change. Like it's really, it's really nice. And actually, you know what? All I take that back. All the LA tracks are cool because I think the second one is entirely at night and just has like this kind of you know '80s neon glow going on. And then the third one is sort of the reverse of the first one, where it starts at night and then turns into a sunrise. But but really, all these touches are what helps the tracks stand out from each other because there's no verticality to them. It's just you know like. You, are you going to remember, oh yeah, this is the track with the three left turns and the one right turn? No, but you're going to remember this is the one where the LA thing happens, or this is the one where there's fog that clears out over multiple laps, or this is the one where snow will be falling and make it harder to see what's, you know, where the next turn is or whatever. Like, it sounds minor, but because of the game's simple, I guess, polygonal art style, you should say, uh, the effects actually really pop, and it looks really, really stylish. And the nice thing is this whole game, if you're docked, runs in 1080, 60 frames per second. It looks super crisp, super nice. It, it, it's very pretty. But it's not just, like, the visual pizzazz that helps keep the simple concept going. Um, the developers also have a couple of gameplay mechanics they put in to help combat any feelings of it being overly simple compared to, like, a later 90s arcade racer. So one is a standard for any real racer, which is the Nitro Boost. But unlike in other racers, you don't build up a meter and then refill it as you race. Instead, you're given a set number of Nitros per race. You have three. Sometimes you can find a fourth one on the track, and that as a result, requires you to actually be a bit more strategic with when you use them. Similarly, this is one of the few games that actually has a gas meter. You can, in fact, run out of gas in this game unless That's... you collect gas canisters as you go through each lap. And they don't explode when you run them over? like No, they, they just give you gas. Interesting. For your car, I should specify. So I guess um, that's their way of substituting the typical, you know, like you have 99 seconds to get to the next checkpoint. Correct, point, because so. there's no times and there's no checkpoints. Yeah, but, because but I guess your time... Or yeah. Outrun kind of did that, but it's like the other way of doing it. But what's interesting about this is it's not just like, oh, you need to get to the next mm -hmm. checkpoint. It does kind of change how you think about the race. I mean, this isn't, in a, this isn't a deep strategy or something major, but it's almost like 
it's not like Ridge Racer where you're not trying, you're just trying to get to the front of the pack and you don't care how you get there. It doesn't matter. Like here, you actually got to think about, okay, I've limited boosts. I've limited gas. I got to do this before that, before that. Like I need to make sure if I do this now, it won't affect me later when I need to get first place or something. Like it's again, not the deepest strategy, but it's a layer of thought on top of just bobbing and weaving around cars, which actually makes it pretty fun and sort of stand out from some other racers. Um, I will say the one small nitpick about bobbing and weaving around cars. Uh-oh. I find it funny that they have set it up so when you do laps, you actually very quickly lap the slowest cars, which gives a perspective, uh, a perspective, a perception of having more obstacles because you keep passing cars. But all it does for me is make me sad because I think I'm about to go up a rank in the in the race. You know, like oh, this is there's first place. I'm gonna pass him. Oh nope, that's not first place. That was actually last place, and it did nothing for me. So, you know, that uh, kind of is a weird thing that it's it's sort of one of those things like they did that to make it more thrilling because they don't have like the dynamic feel of later arcade racers. So they kind of did this in lieu of it and it kind of sticks as a result. But nonetheless, it's a lot of fun minus that. And there's a surprising amount of stuff here. The core game is a world tour mode. You collect tokens and gas as you race um to and you use these to unlock upgrades and new track locations you know typical race stuff racing game stuff uh but what's interesting is that the upgrades aren't actually tied to the currency so what happens is you get the the coins and whatever and that grants you access to special unlock races as they call them which are unique separate tracks inside the broader location of where you are so to go back to the la example california on the world tours those three la tracks i mentioned but then the fourth track is actually over in Death Valley and completely different thematically, but still in California. And if you reach a certain place uh, or certain ranking, I guess you could say, or higher, you then get to unlock the upgrade. So you kind of have to earn your upgrade. You, you pay for the chance to earn the upgrade. And you could keep doing the races over and over, so you eventually will get it. But it's like a little extra work involved. And then the upgrade itself is kind of interesting because it's actually applicable to all cars in your collection at once. And the upgrades are all broad. It's like suspension or exhaust. And then each item that you upgrade, it boosts two traits on your vehicle, you know, steering, nitro, uh, acceleration, top speed, what have you. Um, and you can have a total of 12 upgrades, which again, apply to your whole garage worth of cars. And I find that to be kind of, it's kind of a cool half step between like just unlocking cars as you would in a traditional arcade racer and the more heavy customization you'd find in like Need for Speed or something. Like you can sort of cater your car to your play style at least up until you get all its specs maxed out but you're not bogged bogged down by like all the intricacies of like actually having to decide how you want to your car in a meaningful way i know it's the worst no but no seriously like sometimes if you just want a quick arcade racer and you're like oh now customize your car now how what what wheel width or what rim size do you want or what this it's like i don't know just let me race so this kind of is like the in-between and and that's kind of what I'm finding be pretty cool about Horizon Chase Turbo in general is they're staying true to the whole outrun vibe but they're taking all these like in-between half steps to make it more modern feeling like the gas and nitro system I described to sort of you know bring up the gameplay to a bit more modern uh, stuff or the fact that it doesn't have online play like outrun doesn't but it does automatically show friends and global leaderboards when you complete every race in world tour mode which is kind of a nice touch there's also little other things like you know HD rumble support bumping into other people versus full crashes versus nitro boosts versus grabbing tokens they or coins or whatever you want to call them they all feel different and it's a minor thing but it's nice and there's a lot of content in here i mean i mentioned world tour mode there's also a full local multiplayer mode there's a tournament mode where they actually change the whole uh, whole token system and instead of using it to unlock stuff in this mode when you collect them all you get a super long boost during the race 
So you actually encourage to even more so than World Tour try and get every token on the track, which requires a lot more weaving. And for the Switch version, there's actually a whole challenge mode in there called Playground Mode. It's new to Switch, and it will throw mirror tracks at you and have you have races where you're perpetually uh, nitro boosting or change weather effects to affect visibility, and you don't really know what's going to happen. It just keeps throwing new challenges at you, and you try and get in the top 50 of each. So like really what I'm saying is there's a lot here for 20 bucks, And there's like, what are the numbers? It was like, there's over, I think there's over 100 tracks in this game. And over 30 unlockable cards. Like there's a, and obviously all of different handlings. So there's like a lot in here. And thank you for the whistles. And whether it's, uh, like whether it's right for you or not, I think boils down to what you want. Like this is not an homage to the Cruising Games or Daytona USA or anything like that. But it's not a simple Outrun clone either. Like if you really want just Outrun, I feel like I'm just plugging Sega Ages in this whole segment of what we're playing. But if you really want Outrun, for six bucks, you can get the Sega Ages release of Outrun on Switch. What Horizon Chase Turbo does, though, is kind of a modern reinterpretation of Outrun, or games like Outrun, and I feel like it nails that really well, and it's a lot of fun. So that is Horizon Chase and Turbo. And you can take that to the bank. And use it to purchase an upgrade race to try and get new items for your car, correct? Oh. Yes. Yeah. So that's Horizon Chase Turbo. That's Poyo Poyo Tetris. That is this episode of the Ramtail Podcast. Um, wow, we did it. We did it. High five. Yeah, so next episode is going to be a biggie, though. If this one was like, whoo, we pulled this one off, just wait till next episode, Nintendo's financials will be out. And that gives us a sense of how they actually did over the holidays and what that means about maybe how they'll do in 2019 because along with the numbers, they have the briefing for investors. And usually the January briefing brings some decent amount of news. I don't know what's in store. At the very least, I would imagine we'll get first details on Mario Kart Tour from smartphones because that game's supposed to be out before March 31st. They said it'd be out this fiscal year. So they kind of got to talk about it. And what better place than in front of a bunch of investors who don't actually care about video games and just care about the bottom line. But yeah, whatever whatever they talk about, we will be covering it in our next episode, which is episode 195. It'll be out on Sunday, February 3rd. To make sure you don't miss it, you can subscribe to Real Nintendo on whatever podcast app you use. You know, iTunes, or sorry, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, wherever, Stitcher, wherever, wherever. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Real Nintendo. You can subscribe to the podcast on YouTube at youtube um our channel is randomnintendo.com and if you're curious about what either of us have to say about anything individually i am jsr7 on twitter angel is wero w-e-i-r-o underscore o and this is the end of the show is there any final words you have um life's good that's great and i i kind of want to like the i want to like directly to you except this was not it was indirectly to you but thus concludes the first and hopefully last ever nintendo indirect